There's really not too much future with a sawed-off front like you. What do you mean? Because I don't think you'll ever be worth more than $3,000. What do you mean? I mean, our partnership is untied. Oh, no. Wait. Not you. You remain tied. I'll keep the money and you can have the rope. You filthy double-crossing bastard of all the stinking dirty tricks. Way back to town is only 70 miles. Oh, if you save your breath, I feel a man like you could manage it. Adios. Get down to it, Boppers. Oh, this looks great. Uh, uh, uh. 
Uh, but is this the Ron and Fez show? Yeah, the Ron and Fez show. I'm Ron Bennington. Fuck Ron Bennington. Jeez. That's Fez Watley. Fuck Ron Bennington. Chris Stanley. Fuck Ron Bennington. And the rest. Fuck Ron Bennington. All right here. 866-RON-ZERO-FEZ. 866-RON-ZERO-FEZ. We'll be looking for that Ichiban today. We are in the dog days of summer. We're doing this show out of New York City, Manhattan, to be the specific borough. And it's a ghost town out there, Fuzzy. This town knows how to take off August. I get a seat on the subway now. It's very. If it wasn't so damn hot, it would be exciting. Yeah, you just uh, you just zip into work. There's no crowds to fight, and then but then you think to yourself, well, I'm not on vacation. Other people are on vacation, and I am not. My therapist has pulled a Dr. Leo Marvin. Won't be back till Labor Day. They all do that, right? Yes. Yes. Well, you know, that entire uh, concept comes from the pre-air conditioned days, and some people haven't shaken it off. You know, you used to have to get out of every big city during August because the heat was unbearable. Everybody either went to the seashore or the mountains. Now we have air conditioning. Uh, people forget in the cities they still do the same thing. As a matter of fact, Fizzy, it's always interesting to go look at population reports. Your home state... Of Florida, I think pre-air conditioning, I think 800 people live yeah. <laughs> in Florida permanently. You just could right. not live there. How? The same with uh, Arizona, uh, Nevada. Those places just, they had no people until the invention of air conditioning and, of course, the built-in pool, which suddenly made life bearable. Uh, I don't know if we have an odder thing that we just take for granted than a pool. It's like, I'm going to pretend I have a, a lake uh, right here, a, a very small, <laughs> incredibly deep lake right outside my door. It's very animalistic where it's like, I'm just going to go submerge myself like an elephant or a hippo. Right. Well, it would be animalistic except for the chemicals that you're lying in. <laughs> I uh, Turning my frosted tips green. When I had a pool, you were just constantly trying to get it the right thing. You're constantly testing it, and it starts to feel like you work for the pool. It's the same way if you have a dog. You, you just constantly, is the dog okay? Is the dog happy? All right, we're going to get this thing started today. Looking for an Ichiban. On the Ron Fez Show. And there's only one really big story, I think. John in Texas. Hey there, Ronnie B. Yeah. Uh, great opener, by the way. Well, that's Mooch. Hey, Ronnie B., um, the great communicator, uh, America's president, Bubba Bill Clinton, does it again. Free two journalists from North Korea. It's a very uh, strange story. The big dog goes over there, and they hand them those two girls so quickly that you know... This was just a little pomp and circumstances that sure. whatever we gave them was probably, you know, bread uh, to get these kids back um, had already been worked out. But they he had to go over and get his pictures taken. Uh, it's silly, but in the end, it's a good story for all of us because, you know, we're not dropping missiles. We're not, uh, you know, watching videos of these girls being tortured. Are they stupid to go there? My own personal opinion, yes. Well, You're dumb as dirt to go over there and try to snoop around. Because as far as they're in prison, 
to me, that entire country is prison. Once you're there, you're in a fucking prison camp. And you can't get any different. I mean, uh, okay, East Germany used to be shit compared to West Germany. But the East Germany is doing so much better than those bark eaters over in North Korea. Well, basically what we did was we dropped a diplomacy nuke. It was Bill Clinton. I don't think anyone else could have gone over there and pulled this off other than the president himself. I disagree, Fuzzy. I think it was already a done deal. Uh -huh. I think the deal was made, but they needed something big and flashy to say at the end. Um, and here's who you're getting your picture taken. If we would have just given them whatever we apparently gave them, right. and then they put the kids on the plane, <clears throat> it, it would have made them look bad. But now it looks like, well, look, Bill Clinton came here to beg us, and out of the goodness of my heart, I did it. But any negotiating, Bill Clinton was not involved in this. It happened long ago. And this was just the end story. Well, what I like about it is all the people that said Obama is so soft on these foreign governments, you know, that are out to kill us, yeah. that we should never, ever talk to them. It worked. This was all talking. You know, behind the scenes, in front of the scenes, whatever. It's all talk. And now these people want to talk to us more. There's nothing wrong with this at all. Have you chipped a tooth? Why? Oh, just the way you're talking today. Um, yeah, you know, uh, that kind of stuff can be debated. I don't know whether this was necessarily good or bad for the country or whether or not those two kids had to do their 12 years. I don't know if that was good or bad for the country. Just didn't really matter either way. We still got a nut over there, but their families must feel a lot better. Uh, Mike, Mike, you're on the Ron Fez show. I think uh, Clinton uh, more or less uh, tried to get a blowjob on the way home. Tried. He definitely tried, and I'm sure he brought up the term protein to both of them. This is the first time Bill Clinton's gone to a foreign country, picked up two Asian girls, and it's a good story. For a change. For a change. Uh, here is, um, let's go over here to um, uh, Sean in Georgia. Hey, Ronnie. Yeah. Hey. Can reporters and people quit using the excuse of they wandered too close to the border when they're getting captured in places? It's like you mentioned with the kids in Iran that got captured because they didn't know where they were hiking. The border for North, North Korea and South Korea is like a mile-long minefield covered in barbed wire. You don't accidentally wander across that. Yeah, they were over there uh, with a purpose. It was a purpose that had nothing to do with the government of the United States. But then the government of the United States is responsible for getting these two headstrong people back here. I think if you want to play the game, uh, then if you are captured, you got to deal with it. But we're not comfortable with that. If but did they put all of us in somewhat of jeopardy and the people of South Korea somewhat in jeopardy? I believe that they did. I think that they were fucking stupid. I don't think there's any story here over there that they couldn't have Googled just as easily. <laughs> it just, you don't need to fucking be there. If it was uh, a good thing for you to be there, CBS or the New York Times would have paid for this. They were fucking renegades. They were reckless. And they cost um, the United States um, millions and millions of fucking dollars. And if nothing else, man hours. It's really fucking annoying, in my opinion. Dan in Tennessee, you're on the Run of Fez show. 
Hey, what's going on, guys? Yeah. What do hey, you uh, yeah, I was just going to say with Fez, this doesn't have anything to do with keeping communications open and talking to dictators. This That has to do with, like, Iran and their nuclear program and North Korea and their nuclear program, keep them trying to get concessions out of them. But that's still in play. This 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 guy was give those two people back right when he captured them. It's just a matter of, of you know what he. I, I agree, hundred percent, Fez. This has nothing to do with diplomacy. We paid oh. off a fucking criminal uh, for kidnapping. You know what I mean? Yeah. We we paid a ransom, uh, and that may never be official. I have no right. idea what changed place. But we paid a fucking ransom. Normally, you wouldn't feel great about this. You would feel like the criminal was still at fucking large. But they went to his fucking house. They fucked around, and the rest of us had to, you know, deal with it. But also, in the report I saw this morning was, you know, now they want to reopen talks about their nukes. They've always wanted to reopen talks. They want more stuff. There's no doubt about it. We don't want to give them stuff. Because why make this fucking crazy maniac any stronger? What we'd like is that government that you want to talk to out of there and to have a fucking government that we could work with. We don't want to make him stronger. We don't want him to fucking feed his people. Anything that keeps him there longer is bad for uh, the world. Um, James in North Carolina. Hey, buddies. How are you guys today? What do you got for me? Just want to touch base. These ladies work for Current TV. They're based, I think, out of San Francisco. And I believe Al Gore actually owns Current TV. But were they over there for, or were they doing this on their own? No, I think they were doing it for Current. Right. Now, Current, I watch on a pretty regular basis, and I hadn't seen them say a thing about the Chickies being gone. They've run a few of their, what they call Vanguard TV, which is like their documentaries. Uh, actually showing those chickies. So I thought everything was good. I didn't realize they were even gone up until a couple of days ago. They're well, then out. you're not paying attention to the news because <laughs> you need to uh, to get another channel besides whatever the hell this current TV is. Non-current. Because it's been a big news story for a long time. And a big part of it is because one of the girl's sisters is somewhat famous, right? Yeah, Lisa Ling is the sister who uh, used to be on The View. So it was her sister that was one of the prisoners. Well, I hope they don't get Whoopi. I would hate it if they grabbed Whoopi. Whoopi's going to know better. Yeah, you're right. I don't have to worry about Whoopi. She's had a hell of a career, and she's not going to go wandering around over there. But it is fucking annoying. And this happens, um, you know, quite a bit when people go to fucking these renegade countries. Then they think, uh, all right, uh, I'm going to fucking bring back a ball of hash I'm going to wad it up, shove it up my ass. They get busted. And then it's our government that has to fucking um, deal with it. It's just a pain in the ass. Uh, Mark, Mark, you're on the Run of Fez show. Hey, Ronnie B., just want to congratulate you on your reef as far as what happened in North Korea. Um, everybody's happy that these two chicks are home, but uh, I don't know if it was done the right way. And it, you're going to see more of this kind of activity from... North Korea and other bad actors. Well, just don't wander over there. A, just stay the fuck away. You're not going to bring up a story that's going to enlighten us. We know it's a shithole. We know a maniac has fucking control of these people who have no idea what the outside world is doing. They have no idea the way the rest of uh, the planet um, 
acts and lives and whatever. But the government did the only thing that they fucking could do. Let's make some kind of deal and let's make this thing go away. They got fucking caught. It was a fuck up. But you don't feel good. As stupid as these two were, you don't feel good knowing that they're in some kind of gulag or whatever these camps are. Because I don't know whether you've ever read uh, these stories. There was uh, a guy in Brooklyn who got busted over there. Fucking nightmare. Just a nightmare that makes Midnight Express look like a fucking fairy tale. So, again, there's not a lot you can do about it. It's over. Good. Let's move on. Uh, more is in Ohio. You're in Runafest. Yeah, Ronnie B. Uh, they said the Pentagon came out and said that, that Bill Clinton, that they request, North Korea had requested him and only him. They didn't want Hillary or any right. other statesman over there. They can't they stand her. Well, uh, and there's no reason that they should. They're not fucking supposed to. We are the enemy. We're not their fucking friends. We're not. These are fucking bad characters, and we never should be treating them them well. But then they suddenly had something we wanted. We had to make the deal. They Part of this thing is they wanted their picture taken with the next president. They probably would have preferred Obama, but uh, they got an ex-president. Good. Uh, Clinton did the right thing. It's over. Move on. Uh, Adam in Boston. Hey, how's it going? Good. Yeah, I mean, it's a lot like these American um, Peace Corps workers several years ago went into the Soweto townships in South Africa. And in their mind, they were doing good. They weren't part of the problem. They were there to help. But in the minds of the people who lived there, there were just a couple of American hippies on vacation. It's like walking into a polar bear cage because you care about animals and expecting the polar bear to act any differently. It's, it's a really uh, a tough situation because uh, most of these people, and this happens with... Um, uh, the religious people who try to spread Christianity. They go to these places. They're trying to get water and, you know, uh, give medicine. And they're trying to do all the right things. But as soon as some warlord captures them, uh, their value to the United States is like, we really don't want uh, these people, A, meddling, but B, we can't have them getting their heads cut off on the Internet either. It happens with journalists. You know, if this happens to a military guy, if we're over there spying, spying and the military guys are captured, we have to make a deal. But at least they're doing America's fucking bidding, you mm -hmm. know? They're doing the American government bidding is what I'm trying to say. Um, there's not a lot you can do. You normally have to make the deal and then hopefully get even with whoever fucking grabbed them later on. All right, 866-RON-ZERO-FEZ. 866-RON-ZERO-FEZ. I always like this. Um, uh, well, first of all, Dan wants to disagree with me. Go ahead, Dan. You're on the Ron and Fez show. Ron, how you doing, buddy? Good. Uh, disagree because good journalists put themselves in danger. I mean, it's just something that they've done throughout history, whether it be war reporting or reporting on these these countries. But but here's Iraq, but here's the thing, North Dan. Korea. Dan, if you want to put yourself in danger, all right. Now, if they would have asked the United States, will you back us going over there? We would have said, no, do not go there, all right? So if you want to go over there like that, Dan, then you and current TV and the fucking, or whatever newspaper you have, you've got to do the negotiation or do your 12 years. But as soon as this happens, 
Lisa Ling's on TV crying, as I would be too if it was my sister. We got to get her back. We didn't ask her to go. We would say, don't fucking go. If you would say to your travel agent, I want to go to North Korea, no. The government says no. So you go over there. Now it's our responsibility to get her back, Dan. Yeah, but they came back with a valuable, important story. We didn't ask you, for you, it. You, as someone who appreciates art, might appreciate the story. You, as someone who appreciates, but that would be—that's a private—that's a private matter, Dan. Unless you, you are now asking for the United States government and the taxpayers to fucking pay for your little art project. That's fucking wrong. If you want to take the chance, that's up to you. You've gone against. What the government recommends. Well, that but would, it's the government's responsibility to get you back. That would really be suffering for your art. The 12 years hard labor. Let's face it. We, uh, there's a lot of guys that will go over uh, with M16s and fight in battles. And if they get captured, uh, suddenly you'll hear, well, two Americans captured in fucking uh, Pakistan. Well, they're over there for us. Are they? Or are they private fucking contractors doing their own business? Just in the same way if you're, you know, trying to get Coca-Cola into the place. Those kind of guys get grabbed all the time. Um, let's go to Joe in California. Joe, you're on the Run and Fez show. Hi, Ron and Fez. Hey, guys, I talked to you a couple months ago about my walk across the country. Uh, I was in Arizona, and now I'm in Ohio, so I just wanted to give you guys an update. You, you've walked from Arizona to Ohio? California to Arizona to Ohio, so it's been about 2,500 miles so far, and uh, I got... We're just, sending uh, Bill Clinton to get you. Good, good. I got 600 miles to go, so I, I'll slurp him for that. Where are you going exactly? I'm headed uh, oh, I'm headed to New York, so um, I just figured out the last leg of my route, and I should be there in, uh, well, on the 27th of August, I'll be walking into the city. Uh, I think that may be our exact vacation. Well, yeah, our vacation starts that uh, basically that day. I think is the twenty seventh our last day. Uh, what day of the it's week? The is Thursday. That? Oh, we should still be here then. All right, we'll be, we'll still be here. So, I come to you guys. Yeah, we'd love. Yeah, we'd love to have you come in. But here's the deal: if you slow down, you're going to miss us. <laughs> I'll be there on time. And what I'd like you to do is once you get here. Uh, I'll take your backpack. I want you to dive in the water and swim to France. Cross the channel? Yeah, All keep right. this thing going. Why not? All right, take care of yourself. We'll see you on the 27th. Walking across the country, Fez. Joeywalks.com, if you want to keep uh, check on uh, Joey's progress. Uh, I walked the Appalachian Trail. Three hours. Three hours I did the whole Appalachian Trail. Now, I'm not real familiar, but that sounds like a very good time. Thank you. I appreciate it, buddy. Um, here is uh, Kelly. Kelly in Ohio. Hey, Ron. How you doing? What can we do for you? Hey, uh, what if uh, Kim Jong-il pulled a double cross and kept Clinton and his entourage over there? Could have happened. You know, uh, whether or not there was a huge amount of danger, there was some form of danger that when the president walked in there, they could have grabbed him and fucking tortured him. Which would have been hysterical. <laughs> I hate to say it. Oh, almost a shot in the ear. Almost a shot in the ear. First game back, too. Was it his first game back? Yeah. Put one in his ear hole. 866-RON-ZERO-FEZ. <laughs> 866-RON-ZERO-FEZ. Uh, the NFL says they're going to find players 
if they find out that they're texting or dropping tweets from team meetings or coaching sessions. We have got to now tell people you are not allowed to text or tweet during a team meeting. That's because people, some people with their tweets and their texts, for some reason, it's a personal thing, so they, they don't feel like it's an official statement. Like, But if a player is tweeting something from training camp, that's basically official. You're speaking for the team. Forget that. It's a fucking meeting. Pay attention and put the goddamn phone down for five seconds. That'll take everyone's fucking phones off them during the meeting. No fun league strikes again. Roger Goodell. You should have no fun during a meeting. Think these guys know what they're doing. I mean, come on. How much do you have to keep going over the same blitz scheme? Constantly. By the time you it's have over. to do it constantly. Because one blown blitz for a touchdown loses the game. If you really look at the NFL, it every week, and these coaches put in hundreds of hours, the players are there and these meetings all week, and it normally comes down to one fucking first down you picked up or one first down that you didn't pick up. The fucking game, the parity is so strong right now that normally a mistake uh, changes every single game. But you've got to say to every fucking person out there during a meeting, I don't want you constantly fucking filling in the rest of the people on what we're doing. Pay attention. Chris, you're on Fez. Hey, Ronnie, the military's doing the same same thing about uh, social networking. No more of that shit. I will say this, and I've said it before to our producers. If I find out anyone, if you guys even have a Twitter account, a Facebook, you're fired. I can't put up oh, with no. it anymore. If I find out a Twitio leaves this building, you're fired. Oh. I am now the NFL. Oh, boy. <laughs> I have both. Perfect. <laughs> what? Fez, everything's going the way we planned. Mm -hmm. Andrew in Strong Island, you're on my Fez. Hey, uh, Eli Manning will be the highest paid player in the NFL. Six years, 106 million, seven years, 106 million. Wow, so every other game uh, will be good for him. Every <laughs> other game. He had a solid year last year. Come on. Made the Pro Bowl. Yeah, he's he's he is. He's a strong quarterback, and he's got his ring. He can't take anything away from him. It's a brilliant postseason, not just the Super Bowl. This is a lot. This is sixteen million. Well, first of all, this, this is the problem with the NFL. I wouldn't fucking take anything away from anybody who wants to make money. But the problem with the NFL is you got to look at Eli and go, all right, what does that cost us in offensive lineman salaries? Yeah, do we not get the fucking middle linebacker we want it? And it bugs the shit out of me with with the salary cap. Because you can't pay a guy uh, without hurting the rest of the team. It like, drives me fucking crazy. It's just like they pushed Plaxico's money onto Eli's, uh, into Eli's wallet, basically. Instead of getting another Plaxico. And they that's needed, the problem. And that's what they need, because yeah. now there's a huge hole uh, in the receiving core. And what bothers me is if you have an owner that wants to pay for the best players, he can't. They will not let him do what he wants with his business. But I think the Giants could have possibly called Eli's bluff a little bit and say, you love being in New York. New York now loves you. You really are going to leave to some other fucking city and not make, you know, but all see, the money making endorsements. But see, that's the problem. You have a guy who's fucking doing great. You want to keep him. 
But now you got to call his bluff. You know what I mean? <laughs> right. yeah. You've got to make him unhappy to stay. So you either make him happy and hurt the rest of the team or take your fucking franchise player and have them constantly go, I'm being treated like shit. Right. And fucking, it's a system that just fucking annoys. It annoys. Um, here is uh, John in South Carolina. Uh, yeah, Ronnie, I used to go to a Virginia Tech football camp, and their coach and I, their wide receiver coach and I were friends, and they had over like a 1,000 plays, man. They had to meet three or four times a week just to remember the wide receiver routes. Well, it, it, it is a way more complex game than the normal Sunday fan understands. Yeah, it's uh, not the, like the, backyard. These, yeah, it's so different from the backyard. And what happens is, uh, why they do so many meetings, why they do so many drills, they honestly want to do it so much that the fucking mind is taken out of it. The other problem is you learn, you know, your 1,500 plays because you're playing for fucking San Francisco. You get traded to Oakland, and their 1,500 plays have different names. You know, if, if you're traded in baseball, you go there and you start playing baseball. <laughs> If you're fucking traded in football, you have to learn an entire new language. <laughs> it's fucking impossible. Uh, we're going to uh, have a Hall of Fame uh, a quarterback in later this week. And uh, we'll talk about it later. Uh, here's Todd. Todd, you're on Manifest. Yeah, Ron. How you doing today, bro? Good. Hey, disagree with one thing. It's, the owners are also employees. They're employees of the NFL. Even though they own these teams and are huge corporations, they work for somebody else. Well, they're franchisees is what they are. It's the same exact thing if you buy a McDonald's franchise. You can't start going, oh, you know what? Uh, I, I want to use different straws. Even things <laughs> that small. You can't go, I want to put ketchup bottles out. And you can't do that and still call yourself McDonald's. You make one fucking change, you're no longer McDonald's. I would love it if they put ketchup bottles out. Seems like a smart idea, because I think everybody prefers ketchup bottles to packets. The packets, here's what, the packets, there is not enough ketchup in the packet to do anything with. You would need maybe a packet per French fry. And the ketchup that they put in the packet... You're not even getting all of that out. Because it's all stuck on side? It's all stuck in there. Why isn't there something like a ketchup pouch? You know, a big thing of ketchup. Just keep it in a packet. Just make it bigger. Because they want you to use less ketchup. This is all just a thing to say, I don't want wasted ketchup. I, I don't think it ends up working out that way. Because people, if, when they can, start grabbing and grabbing as many ketchup packets as they can. And then what are you going to do? Just rip open packets instead of eating? I do them two or three at a time. I'm just fucking going crazy with them packets. Three. <laughs> Love ketchup. How many packets do you fucking need when you go to McDonald's? A McDonald's, I'd say at least seven or eight. Seven or eight packets. Oh, like 20 packets. 20. Swear to God. I Seven or eight? You cannot put seven or eight on a uh, half of the bun. Yeah, it's an annoyance. It's an annoyance, and here's what bothers me. America just says, yes, okay, mm -hmm. we'll fall into the packet and tiny salt thing. You ever see the little tiny salt things? Oh, yeah. That they're the size of a tic-tac amount of salt. And the thing they do with the salt packets is they make that one open in the middle, so half your salt goes flying as soon as you rip it open. So you're not even getting all the salt there, either. All right, yeah. so you like the tiny salt, 
and the tiny ketchup packets. I despise them. I absolutely hate. And then you'll get mustard in a jar. Mustard that uh, mustard in a jar will last you two years. You use tiny bits of mustard. You mean at your house? Yeah, but I mean ketchup. It's insane. We don't. It would be like selling packets of water. I'm very thirsty. Let me get a packet of water and just squeeze like two drops into my mouth and just you know keep what? opening packets until it, I'm not thirsty anymore. This is what bothers me about America. They wouldn't complain. They would just be <laughs> sucking on their water packets. That's exactly what it is. It's insanity. Make the packets bigger or put bottles in the restaurants. Here could be the other thing that I have my way of dealing with it. Uh, stop eating at McDonald's. <laughs> Just fucking say this is not a dining experience. The same way when you when you got smart enough to leave the school and not eat at the cafeteria, mm -hmm. do that with McDonald's. Don't sit there with your little ketchup packets, your little salt packets, and go. Why isn't life better? It is if you take a fucking stand for yourself. You get so frustrated tearing open packet after packet, you don't want to eat anymore. No. You've tired yourself out for your meal. I just That's why you have to bring the McDonald's home and use your own ketchup. Because the, the small packets is... And then your fingers, it's, it's as if you just commi so you, committed a murder. What you do is you take your McDonald's back to your house I'll take it with my, your own ketchup. And my wife used to say, make sure you get lots of extra ketchups. And I go, no. We're going to use our bottle of Heinz. Now home. I know this is a lie. You've never said no to your wife. I do constantly. <laughs> you should only know. When she says make more money, <laughs> no. Um, but uh, I sign I, up I, for the right fucking um, uh, insurance plan. Absolutely no. not. Slow down. When I'm writing this down for Ron Bennington's line of the day. Wow, that would be that actually would be so make me so happy if you started writing in that. I'd be seriously, our friendship would be back. Scott in Cleveland. Man, I'll tell you what, I love pepper. I put pepper on everything, and those are the worst packets ever. You get like seven fucking flakes per little little. Yeah, they're tiny. Of it. There's no fucking doubt about it. You fucking Russians, you want to go and sit there and eat your state-run food, you're going to have to eat that way. They treat it like it's uranium, like it's such a precious element that we can well, only they, do it in tiny amounts. But, but here's the deal. Do you know how many millions of fucking ham and eggers go there every day? And if they're saving money on salt and pepper, and ketchup, it really does add up. They are fucking telling you, we don't fucking like you. We don't care what you want. Have it our way. <laughs> I'm not even sure if there's pepper in those packets. Bez, how much ketchup do you need? I need uh, a dozen of those packets. Twelve. Pepper, you're at seven. Yeah. And Twenty they... because I order two burgers and fries. Like these guys, are they talking about per burger? Because oh, I ordered two burgers and fries. over the course of their lunch. Oh, I ordered two burgers and fries, guys. Yeah. <laughs> no, I mean, it takes me at least seven or eight packets per burger. My diner, when I get delivery, in the in the brown paper bag that it comes with are two ketchup packets. Well, you have ketchup at home. But what if I didn't? <laughs> then you're a fucking idiot. You're getting free ketchup from them. There are times when I've been out of ketchup. Um, then go get some more. You're at your house. Uh, Keith. Oh, we lost you, buddy. Um, here is, uh, here's Taylor in Texas. Hey guys, uh, I wanted to clue you all in. Down here in Texas, we have this chain called Whataburger, and they actually have a little plastic bowl with a, a wrapper that you peel back, 
and it's badass because if you're driving, you can set that little bowl on your dude, bowl and dip your fries in it. Dude, I've eaten at Whataburger. You can't eat in your car. The only way to eat a Whataburger is on the toilet. It's an emergency <laughs> situation. Um, here is uh, TJ. TJ. Yeah, what's up, guys? How you doing, man? What do you need? Uh, listen, I just want to say, man, you can't take McDonald's home because here's the problem. If you take McDonald's home, the fries get cold on the way home. Then you pull your cold bottle out of the fridge and hit cold fries. It's disgusting. You have to eat it at the restaurant and open the package. There is something interesting because I think McDonald's fries are actually really good. But McDonald's fries cold don't even taste like a potato. <laughs> I don't know what they become as they get cold. But they really, it's not happening. Matt in Virginia, you're on the Run of Fez show. How's it going, buddies? I yeah. got to agree with Fez today and not usually do that, but I'm behind you, buddy. McDonald's should find the minimum number of fucking ketchup packets that people eat and make the packet that size. That here, way, for you know, some of you guys want twenty, you could get you know three of these Matt, seven packets. Here's what McDonald's is doing: they're looking for the minimum IQ of their customer, <laughs> and they realize these idiots will tire of opening ketchup. <laughs> they will tire of opening salt, and will save money. Who wants to sit there and do it? But people are still grabbing them if they can get a hold of them. Uh, here is. Um, Let's go over here to Nikki. Nikki, you're on Manifest. Hi, how are you? What do you say? Um, listen, I have a great idea for a contest to see um, who can open up the most ketchup packages at one time, David or Fez. Um, I would not mind having a ketchup eating contest on the show and see if Dave eats as much ketchup as he claims to. That's awesome. That would require free lunch then, huh? No. Pure ketchup. Oh, <laughs> I'll still do it. I mean, without the meat, I think it would be a little bit more gross, but I would still do it. Only a little more. My grandmother used to give away the ketchup packets for Halloween. Uh, Jer <laughs> she would. That I'm woman would have gotten a fucking candy apple through her window. <laughs> I would have got even with that bitch. I was, I was wondering what house had the most toilet paper in the trees after Halloween. Uh, Jerome. Uh, am I the only one that heard Fez say geranium instead of uranium? No, we heard it, but he's having a good day, and we <laughs> let it go. Why would I say geranium? I think because you're fucking clinically insane. It makes no sense. I never would have said it in a million years. You did say it, and it's okay. In a uranium half-life, I wouldn't have said it. You just said geranium again. Do you know that? No. Yes. 866-RON-ZERO-FEZ. 866-RON-ZERO-FEZ. Uh, Tom in Jersey. Yeah, Dave, if you're going to McDonald's, why are you putting your own ketchup on burgers? They do it for you. No, 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 no. If you are in the car, you want to be driving and open up the ketchup. When I used to deliver flowers, I would take my meal on the road, and then I would open up my, my 20 or some odd ketchup packets while driving. Boy, you, that flower job must have been something for you, huh? <laughs> <laughs> what do you mean? How long ago were you delivering flowers? Um, seven years ago. You bring it up quite a bit. Do I? I yeah. don't think yeah. I've brought it up in a long, long time. I usually bring up that I was a waiter. That That's the job I'm I had no of. idea. I had no, no idea you were a waiter. I was. I was a waiter. I'm very proud of that job. I had you had to feeling... get back into that game. Yeah. I had the feeling if you were an astronaut before, we'd still hear about the flower job. He loves flowers. It was a cool job. Uh, Topper in Reno. Dave, you 
lying, lisping, stuttering fag. I don't believe for a second you put eight packets of ketchup on a McDonald's hamburger. Bullshit. What do you? What burgers do you guys order? I order a Big Mac like a human, so I put eight one on the top burger. Of ketchup, you're at, what are you, five? Uh, you're out of your mind. All right, hold on. Let, let's let, let's hear your your the way you do this. I put one on the top burger, then I open it up like it's pancakes. And the way you would open up pancakes, you put the syrup on each meat. So there's three, there, there's two patties and a Big Mac, and there's like another like little bun. So each one of those levels gets two packets or so. It's about a four-level burger between the two patties, the bun break in the middle, the two buns at the end. So thus, if you put two packets on each, that's about eight packets per burger. Thank you. That sounds disgusting to me. And I'm just saying McDonald's. I haven't even gotten to the ketchup <laughs> part. Uh, Robert in Colorado. Yeah, uh, you have to use your teeth to open them damn packets and... Uh... Uh, trick the fries at McDonald's is order them with no salt, and they'll be steaming hot. Hmm. Here's uh, Mike. Mike in Halifax, Sherman Fez. Hey, man, I just, I'm just sitting here listening. I think I got the best idea since Smoke Pants. Are you ready for this one? Mm-hmm. All right. How about French fries with the ketchup already built into them, just like the gum, you know, the gum that squirts? How about that? That's fantastic. Here's Jeff in Georgia. You're on a fez. Yeah, the ketchup packs are small and about three quarter full, but on the other hand, their mayonnaise packs are twice as big and packed full. Yeah, they're like sausages. They're so stuffed. Why don't you start an act called Dumb Seinfeld? What's with the mayos? <laughs> Why are the mayos so big? Ketchup so small. And don't even get started on the that barbecue. That was fast. <laughs> I don't get it, George. Jerry. Oh, that was fantastic. <laughs> Who were you doing then? That was George, right? All right, here, I got an idea for you guys. <laughs> I want to play a little game. Okay. Uh, everybody have a card in front of them. And this is like silent auction. Oh, I love that. I'm going to put this out here. I'm willing to give you $3 million for three years' work. Okay. Three million dollars. Here's the deal. Between the three of you, I want to know how much vodka you would be able to drink and would drink every day for three years. Every day you have to drink this much vodka. Okay? Right. Okay. Now, doesn't matter if you have the flu. Doesn't matter if you're going to the, the fucking church that day. You have to get up and drink this much vodka during that period of that day. Every day. Okay. If not, you forfeit the money, the $3 million. Now, during the silent auction, you're competing against each other. This is like right. a silent bid. Right. It's more of a bid than an auction. What do you bid me, and I'll be choosing the top bidder in the silent bid, how much vodka would you drink three years for three million dollars? Okay. Write your number down. Give me a little uh, music there. It sounds like uh, people are writing down I've how much it. vodka they would drink. Because I was thinking about this. It would be a hell of an experiment. If I was Bill Gates, I would do this in a heartbeat. <laughs> 
I guess if you were Bill Gates, you'd have a lot of little experiments. Well, at the same time, it would be a great uh, reality show. <laughs> Can he still keep drinking that much vodka? Mm. Okay. You know? Yeah. Now, the the problem is everybody, you know, would like to drink a little vodka. But do you really want to drink it every day? Right. And on the other hand, $3 million is a lot of money. Hicks, have you written your uh, number down? Yes, I have. All right. I'm going to start this with Fez Watley. Fez Watley, you've got two stents. Yeah. And you're a diabetic. Right. But it's $3 million. That's what's on the line. How much vodka would you be willing to drink a day? One and a half pints. Oh, God. That, that first of all, I would shut it down. <laughs> I really? would shut the contest down. <laughs> That's a lot of vodka. For one and no, it's that. You know when I would drink one and a half pints of vodka? When? When I was on my way to store <laughs> to get vodka. One and a half pints of vodka, I can still fucking drive across the country. All right. Let's go to Hicks. Hicks, this should be easy for you to move <laughs> into the number one spot. One handle plus one liter of vodka every day for th three years. So what are we talking there? That's that's like three and a half bottles of vodka a day. Three and a half quarts? I get, like the big bottle plus one uh, uh, liter, which is bigger than a fifth. All right, I, so that giant bottle that has a handle on so it. So a liter and a fifth. <laughs> sure. No, no, no. It's the uh, of a uh, handle's fucking the liter and. Uh, all right, first of all, you're out, Fez. You yeah. are completely out of this. And are, are you surprised yes, that you I picked am. a very tiny amount of vodka? I thought I picked a lot of. Uh, in fact, I was thinking of one pint, and I'm thinking, you know what? I'm going to up the ante here because I want to be in on this. But if you got up in the morning and drank your pint and a half, uh -huh. by noon you're sober again. <laughs> so you're gonna you're gonna have pretty much a regular life, just a really, you know, nice breakfast every day. You'll have your vodka and orange <laughs> juice, and by noon you're ready to talk on the phone. <laughs> All right, now I got to get the fucking things down for him. What are we talking about in full weight? Almost three liters. 2.75 liters oh. of vodka a day. All right. About almost three liters. Yeah. All right. Uh, Dave McDonald. Mm -mm. You've got two kids, so the $3 million would be nice. For I need it bad. I yeah. need $50 right now. Uh, I, I put one and a half liters. One and a half liters. Liters. You are out. Shit. Our winner... Chris Stanley. I didn't think he was going to go that high. I don't think that he was. I'm surprised thinking. you went so low. I thought a liter, yeah, a, a liter's a huge shitload of vodka. And I was thinking there's no way anyone's going to be who's being honest about this challenge right. and really thinking about it is going to go beyond a liter of vodka. I've been in a lot of meetings where I've heard people say they drank a half a gallon of fucking vodka every day. Vodka is, Damn it. since it's clear, a lot of Alkies like it a lot. When you're drinking massive amounts of liquor, <laughs> for some reason you want it clear. <laughs> right. Well, it's easier to conceal. I'm just drinking screwdrivers all day long every day. It'll be great. Yeah, but... But how many is that of three liters of vodka? Right, the orange juice itself is going to just destroy your stomach. You are right about that. You will get sick of fucking orange juice. Let's switch to cranberry. It doesn't... It, the juice... <laughs> that is true. He's got cranberry now. 
No, I think the best way to do this is just to have it and then have like a little like Seven Up Chaser or something like no, you that. You got to still it because if you're drinking straight vodka all day, you're gonna get too fucking hammered too quick and you're gonna pass That's out. That's my goal. Is I would I would do that and then wake up the next day. <laughs> so no, no, but you won't <laughs> finish start drinking the- again. <laughs> just punching no, the clock like the last drink. Like I'd have like a prime time, prime hours of like two to three every day. That'd be uh, it. Uh, here is uh, David in Washington. Yo, uh, okay, about the McDonald's thing, I understand that Dave is just a half-wit, but Fez, I mean, Fez has gotten money. The fact that he's the age he is and he still eats at McDonald's regularly might really support the Asperger's theory that people have brought up in the past. Yes, because everyone who eats at McDonald's has uh, some is kind a, of is autism. Fez, did you watch Monday Night Raw last uh, uh, Let me move on from there before we get into Monday Night Raw. I've already, I've, I'm already bored. But um, there are three new movies coming out about Asperger uh, idiots, Fez, that you may like. Uh, one of them is called, I think, Adam. I couldn't make it through the trailer. <laughs> this guy was so annoyingly Fez-like. <laughs> it was driving me nuts. It's the new in disease, I guess. Yeah. Uh, you know, autism uh, with a little bit lighter. Yeah, I don't know why everybody wants a disease these days. Everybody wants to blame their antisocial behavior on their brain chemistry. <laughs> um, here is uh, Dave... In Wyoming, Dave, you're on Fez. Hey, man, what's going on, buddy? Yeah. Hey, I, I, I really got to go back to this two and three quarters liters of vodka thing. I mean, I know a lot of drunks. That I challenge any of those guys to do that in back-to-back days. But Maybe let's the face first day it. They get it. The second day, there's no way they're getting two and three quarters liters of vodka. But let's face it. At the end of this, he gets $3 million. And that's big money to these two guys. Yeah, but physically, I mean, he's saying, Pepper's saying three liters just physically. I just think physically it's going to reject it. I think I could keep one and a half liters down. But every eight hours, you got to kill another liter. Well, he's going to throw it up. I didn't say he couldn't throw up at all. Well, a lot of bread. then, I mean... No matter <laughs> who's doing what, you're going to throw up occasionally. But how'd you like to be sitting there throwing up and then you still got to keep drinking more? <laughs> it's disgusting. <laughs> Whatever you do, at the end of these three years, you're pretty fucked. <laughs> but we forget, we live in a country where guys used to die at age 40 because they were working in coal mines yeah. to support their children. The mixed dad died at like yeah. 40 years old, and he died a very, very old man because he wanted the mix to be able to fucking, you know, go to school. It's not that unusual for the man. Now, that's why I was expecting... I knew Fez would come in third. That's why I started with you. Okay. Um, I had Dave at the end because I thought that maybe he was willing to sacrifice himself to get out of this hole that you seem to put these poor innocent people in. Well, I just thought, I know, but I want the money. So I was truly, truly, truly trying to think realistically. The 20 packets of ketchup was real, and the one and a half liters I would do for real. I would do right now if you said to me, do it. I don't. I'm not sure if three liters is realistic. I'm going to run this. I'm going to run this through serious legal. Okay. Maybe it's something they want to get in touch with. Maybe they would. I know okay. all the news places would pick it up. Yeah, that'd a be awesome. A guy for three million dollars is drinking this. We'd have to sign somebody to you 
Okay. 24 hours a day to make sure you don't cheat. All right, that's cool. Um, but also, if you were drinking three liters every day, one of those days you're going to pass out and you're going to sleep right through the day. There's no way one of those days will be completely lost and then you're out of the competition. Exactly. So the three liters is, it, that is ridiculous number. One and a half could be done. I mean, I could say, yeah, if you did a silent auction, I could say, all right, seven liters. You know, but it, it's just as ridiculous as no, three. No, I, I have no problem with you making your point here. I'll tell you this. The day he fails, you get to start that day. Oh, God bless and you. And I'm not even going to have you win. <laughs> Because no offense, right? Yours is as dull as a fell as a fez bit. It's just not going to have the excitement factor that we uh, need. Um, here is uh, Richie in Maryland. Hey, Mister B. Yeah. Um, I I spent about a year and a half uh, drinking real hard, and I've actually been sober since March. But uh, I realistically, Dave is spot on. Uh, you could not sustain, absolutely not sustain three liters or even uh, 2.75 liters a day. It's not possible. Uh, a, a fifth a day is realistic because I was doing more than a fifth a day on average. Uh, you know, but uh, going much more than that, you, you start to become not functional. And like Dave said, you're going to have days where they just flow together. It would not be sustainable. Absolutely. Uh, and you think Fez, uh, Dave would be able to do it on your what, liter and a half? I think yeah. he, he, a liter and a half is really, really pushing. I it. might give uh, this challenge to Dave and take it away from Pepper. Good. I definitely agree. Uh, here is uh, David in uh, Boston. Hey, how's it going, guys? Yeah. Uh, I don't think anyone uh, realizes how many shots there are in a liter, but that's 20 shots per liter. Um, let's, let me look into this. Uh, there's a website that can tell you how many shots... You can do it before you die. Um, <laughs> 34 ounces per liter, and that's an ounce and a half. That's 20 shots. So if you're doing 2.75 liters, you're, you're talking about you know 50 shots of vodka a day. <laughs> Doesn't seem so much then. <laughs> Is it 50? I work fucking 12 hours a day. Instead of working, I'd be drinking all day. It makes sense that I could do this. Oh, you're taking time off? You can, you know, you're still coming to work. <laughs> do it the first couple but of days. Luckily, oh, you have a job you can drink at. <laughs> That's the whole bit of you going, Why don't you shut up, bro? <laughs> Fucking talk, talk, talk. Talk, talk, talk. He just hits eight sweepers in a row. Ron and Fez. Ron and Fez. Ron and Fez. Uh, we know what sleep, uh, sweepers sound like. Uh, John in Tampa. It, isn't it something that over time you build up a tolerance if you can make it through the first couple of months? You know, it gets easier and easier. The taste won't bother you. So as the days go, it'll be, you know. You're living like a Russian at that point. You're just drinking a Russian amount of liquor. J.D. in Houston. Hey, guys. Uh, yeah, I got a friend uh, that for about a good year, he was plowing through one of those giant bottles of vodka a day. Like one of the plastic ones with the handle. I, I think it's totally possible. Totally possible. There we have it, Pepper. There. Uh, Thank you. Uh, Jared. What do you got for me, buddy? Hey, uh, it also depends on uh, what, how expensive the vodka is. What? Hold on. You think I got the fucking nickname Well Drink? Don't <laughs> call here and insult me. I'm going top shelf on these boys. Thank I'm you. I'm not giving them some kind of rock gut. I take care of my fellas. No Georgie or Gordons. We're not going to drink if that's the situation. <laughs> Blue Georgie. Blue Georgie will.
Uh, Frank in Brooklyn. Ronnie B, we yeah. got to make sure we do one thing. You got to have a film crew follow Dave around to make sure as he goes into that make that first McDonald's wrecked out of his mind screaming, I need more ketchup. Yeah, well, th I definitely want this as a reality program. And by the way, I'm furious with Bravo right now. Next week is the end of yeah. NYC Prep. Mm -hmm. That's Fuck it. Fuck watching these shows. <laughs> It's a fucking waste of time. I never even got to see PC suck a cock. I want to see him wake up with a dick in his ass. The, the first seasons are always really short on Bravo because they want to know if they're hits or misses. The second season, they'll give you more episodes. Well, these kids are already going to be moving on. No, you I don't care what happens once they get to Harvard. Uh, PC's going nowhere. Uh, 2.7 liters of vodka is 62 shots. No way Pepper Hicks could do that. How many shots do you think you normally do on a I Got a Problem Day? I can I know I can drink a fifth really fucking easily, so I'd yeah. say liter and a half. But this, and then that's you know that's <laughs> a shot. Yeah. I agree well, with straight the fifth. bottle of fucking fifth. vodka and, yeah, and, or liquor. I'm surprised that I, I remember when I used to drink a fifth on Friday before I would go to the bar. And I would always measure it out. Now maybe my shot glass was off, but they always seemed to measure out to be fourteen shots. Uh, that were in a fifth. So, and I would I would do that before going out. Right. Yeah. Uh, Greg in Canada. Hi. Yeah. How you doing? What What can we do for you, Greg? Hey, well, listen. Uh, that's not that much vodka. I used to be a bartender, and I used to work with another guy who was a bartender. He used to drink a hundred ounces of vodka in an eight-hour shift and still be straight. You couldn't even tell he'd been drinking. Where, where are you calling from, Greg? Pardon? Where are you calling from? I'm in Winnipeg. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. Yeah, this is not a Canadian bet. Right, yeah. You, you people drank this much on your way to give birth. <laughs> uh, by the way, who's phone screening today? Scruff. Tell Scruff to let the callers know that I'm already doing well. And if I ever have any problems, I will alert the entire audience that I'm doing fantastic. No one needs to check in with me. I'm wonderful. Fez is wonderful. So is Dave. They can just hop right in and feel free to speak about any topic that they want to. We're all doing great. We're wonderful people. I don't want to come across as grouchy. I just don't want to say I'm doing okay a million fucking times a day. Done. I'm fine. Or else I'd be doing the show on why I'm not fine. All right, there's the big vodka challenge, and another one, Eastside Dave loses. Another one? Again, I'm a he chin. finds himself in the shadow of Chris Stanley, a.k.a. Pepper Hicks. You used to be my go-to guy. I find myself, you, that, that's, that's, that's fancy talk. And yet he's the big winner today. It's doable. Why don't you ask me, could, could I beat what? Shaq in a game? Yeah, I'll be, I could beat Shaq in a one-on-one -on -one contest. He's my fantasy producer. He gets things done. And I notice he's working 12 hours a day. So am I. Hours a day. I know. Uh, all right, uh, going to break here. Eight six six Ron zero Fez. Eight six six Ron zero Fez. Back in just a few moments with a Method Man story uh, that you got to hear to believe. It's the Ron Fez show.
should be in there, blue. On top of that, you got the good time with you. Shorty, you're there for you anytime you need. Ron Fez show. Uh, here's a little Method Man, and who doesn't like Method Man, Fezzy? Everybody loves Method. They do, don't you think? Yeah, I guess so. I'm not real familiar. That's why I made the statement. Um, you know, he's one of those guys that if you even see him on TV, a little happiness flows over you. Well, somebody went up and asked him uh, for an autograph, and Method Man shot him six times with a pellet gun. <laughs> As to say, get away from Method Man. Don't bother the Method Man. Now, obviously, you get shot with a pellet gun. You're not in any... It's more of an insult, I guess it is. Sure. It's more of an insult than it is actually damaging. But you don't normally ask for an autograph unless you're a really big fan of that person. Then you say, excuse me, stop what you're doing. Write your name on a piece of paper, please. <laughs> a method man wants no part of this. Now, um, I do not condone the uh, actions of method man. But I also... <laughs> In no way, and even when I was a little kid, understood, please write your name down for me. Um, I don't know where it's supposed to go. I get the picture thing completely. Can I have a picture with you? I get that. Can I have your name on a piece of paper is lost on me. Can, would you sign the picture I took with you? I get that. That means a little something more personal. But I've been in a lot of homes... And I've never seen anyone with a piece of paper inside of a frame that had the name Douglas Fairbanks signed on it. It just doesn't make sense to me. Dave, have you ever asked for an autograph? Oh, sure. I was big into the autographs as a child. Uh -huh. I asked Whitney Houston for an autograph in F.A.O. Schwartz when I was 10. Her bodyguard sent me packing. Uh -huh. I asked Pete Sampras for an autograph at the U.S. Open. And, and, and there was no one except me and my friend. Did you ever get an autograph from anyone? I have gotten an autograph from Phil Rizzuto when I saw him in Spring Lake Heights. Uh, where is your Phil Rizzuto autograph now? Is it in your wallet? No, it's not. But I do have it um, on a, in a piece of paper up by my Little League trophies. So it's like right there with my baseball memorabilia. You still have your Little League trophies. <laughs> yeah. And See, I, I'll put that as embarrassing, too. <laughs> uh, Hicks, ever ask anybody for an autograph? I didn't ask them for for one, but uh, my dad took me some baseball card signing or some shit. I got Whitey Ford's autograph. He was on there. a baseball card. On, on a baseball, actually. See that one, I get a little more. That's more of a collector's thing because it's a baseball. Um, I could get. Could you sign my bat your, or my glove? Mm -hmm. I kind of get that a little more. The piece of paper, I don't get. I definitely get the sign baseball card though. Or would you sign my book? I think I can even get that. Uh -huh. Although, this is kind of funny, and it goes to show you how little people care. When I did the Unmasked with Tom Arnold, I said, the Hicks, find his bio for me. Well, it's no longer available. Hicks had to you know, go to eBay and buy a used copy. The copy that we bought for how much, Hicks? Uh, $3.99. $3.99? Uh, came with a... To Darla, best of luck, <laughs> thanks for everything. So even though this woman either stood in line or whatever, right. she still didn't give a fuck and got rid of the signed book. But I think a signed book probably makes a little more sense to me. But a signed piece of paper does not. And I see uh, celebrities all the time. 
uh, I would never think to have them sign a piece of paper. It just seems to be nutty, and I would expect to be shot with a pellet gun. <laughs> um, here's uh, Troy. Troy, you're on Fez. Yeah, hey, guys. Yeah. Yeah, I think the whole idea of getting an autograph is a little ridiculous. Like, I've met a few celebrities or, like, athletes and stuff, and to me, it's just, I meet them, it's cool, I get the experience, I talk to them for a minute if I can, and if not, then, you know, I move on. Um, here is, and I, I normally, other than, uh, sometimes I might give a, hey, how you doing, but I never stop people and tell them, you know, that I really like good fellas, because I expect them to know that. Uh, Rick in Florida. Rick. Hey, Dick Holder, 941, checking in, buddy. What do you got for me, buddy? Hey, every year I go out to spring training, and when I get to the different stadiums, I buy a ball from that stadium, the home team, and then I have some of the players sign it, and that's half of the fun for when I go out to those games, other than, you know, great baseball. Well, tell me what, what the fun is. If you get to, you feel like a little kid again. I mean, I'm 25 years old. I lived in New York until I moved down here a few years ago, and now I get to go out and feel like these, you know, little kids for a couple of minutes bring back some of that childhood that I missed out on. Yeah, I don't get that. I don't get a man wanting to be a child. Um, and the only reason why a kid asks for an autograph is because they're told to. <laughs> it would never <laughs> dawn on you as a little kid, I want a signed piece of paper. I like the little kids at Disney World that go around having the mascots sign their little autograph books. And where do they get the autograph books? Oh, their parents have bought it for them for their... You at know. Disney. It's yeah, fucking made up. It's not souvenir real. Um, here is... Um, let me go over here to uh, Dominic. Dominic in Ohio. Hey, I, was, I lived out on the East Coast for 16 years, and back in 1988, Keith Richards was having a solo tour performing at the Tower in Philly. We got word that he was staying at the Four Seasons, so he went to the hotel. I brought a cover of Rolling Stone, and... Lo and behold, Keith came down, very nice guy, signed to cover my Rolling Stone. I have that hanging in my house to this very day. I definitely get the please sign the cover of Rolling Stone for me because that is something you could display if if you're a Keith Richards fan. Now, would I go to the Four Seasons and bother the man? Absolutely not. <laughs> uh, but I get that. the I get the signed picture that you can ha hang up more so than... Um, than other stuff. Now, people have given me signed photographs of, you know, different celebrities because they've heard me talk about, people have heard me talk about Lefty on the air, so they think it would be nice. But I didn't get it from Lefty. There's no reason for me to feel like it's, you know, I don't know, I think it's in our office, but it's nice. <laughs> don't get me wrong, it's nice. Um, here's Thomas Staten Island. Tom, you're on Hey, fuck Ron Bates and Cardholders 001 reporting in. Oh, I had no idea the cards were out for, uh... Fuck Ron Bennington. Fuck Ron Bennington. <laughs> fuck Ron Bennington. What do you got? Hey, Ron, when I was a little kid, my dad got me uh, Stan Lee's uh, sing uh, autograph on uh, on some uh, comic he just happened to have on him. It was crazy. He just ran into him. Stan Lee, that is. Um, and here is, um... Let me go to our old friend Tom in Madison. He always has a different take on things. Tom, what do you hey, got for me? Hey, buddies. I got Jimmy Page's autograph on uh, my Les Paul pick guard. But anyway, doesn't this kind of bring Method Man street cred down that he's carrying around a goddamn pellet gun? That's I mean, kind of funny. I mean, a pellet gun. 
I think he's doing that just for fun. You know what I mean? And just <laughs> I I don't know whether you've ever shot anybody with a pellet gun before, but it's normally pretty funny. Uh, just like when I hit Dave the other night with a fucking uh, <laughs> wet napkin and had him almost fight a table full of strangers. <laughs> I think the band's parents. Oh, really? Uh, by the way, uh, I heard the Vagabond Souls uh, perform live on the Watch Show, uh, but I was at Steely Dan. Did you hear that show? Yes, did. How did it sound? Awesome. I did hear it. It was awesome. Good little band. Yeah, real good. Good little band. Real great. Like a... Black Keys meets Kings of Leon a little bit. Really? Yeah. I thought it was way more old school than both of those. Well, Black Keys is pretty goddamn old school. Uh, Their first album, anyway. Uh, all right, maybe I'll give you first album. Uh, here is uh, Damien. You're on my face. Damien. Yeah, how you doing? Uh, I was saying, I think uh, the autograph is something that established itself before we all had cameras. And now people are kind of just doing it out of, out of its own niche. Yeah, probably. Uh, Scruff just handed me this. There is something called Autograph Magazine. I had no idea. Hmm. Yeah, it's just sending it around, I guess, getting autographs and, like, pricing them. See, that's uh, there's a really good point, and this is why people like Bill Murray hate this. It's because you're asking Bill Murray for $15. You know what I mean? Uh -huh. So you don't like Bill Murray. You would like to sell that autograph, mm. and yet he's a dick because every day of his life he doesn't want to write his name down 200 times on scraps of fucking paper. I side with Bill Murray on this. The thrill of, let's say, running into Bill Murray is seeing Bill Murray. That's fucking cool. I don't care who you are. Now, if you happen to be at a uh, restaurant, there's Bill Murray eating. I got no fucking problem with anybody thinking that's cool and clocking him in his natural environment, to stop him and say, now I want you to just write on a piece of paper, <laughs> is taking him out of what I would consider the normal Bill Murray day. Here's our people that are good to ask for autographs, uh, and then the worst. All-time best person in the world to ask for an autograph. I would say it would probably be like that Tom Hanks. Tom Hanks not in the top ten. Dave? Derek Cheater. Derek Jeter is not in the top ten. Oh, Let me go over here to uh, Hicks. Arnold Schwarzenegger. Not in the top ten. Uh, ten, Russell Crowe. Never would have expected that. Mm. Dakota Fanning. <laughs> uh, Jay Lendo. Okay. Catherine Heigl. She gets a lot of bad press, but looks like she's nice. Scientist, a Scientologist, great man, John Travolta. That makes Rosario sense. Rosario Dawson. Oh, this one surprises me because I would have thought this guy would have been a prick. Jake. Jack Nicholson. Really nice. Wow. Number three, the world's favorite man, George Clooney. Great guy, Fez. Mm, sure. You want Everybody, an autograph? Mm -hmm. I'll, I'll, I'll sign it. Everybody number loves two, him. Matt Damon. Okay. And number one, George Kazelninski. George Kazelninski. Yeah. Who's George Kazelninski? He's a nobody. He just likes to he'll do whatever you want. <laughs> this guy would. This is the only celebrity that would actually yeah, go well, and help that you move. Count <laughs> <laughs> number one, Johnny Depp. Oh, Johnny Depp. There was a picture from the last uh, thing that he did uh, that made the newspapers, and every woman looked at this picture and went, "Ah." <laughs> <laughs> He's dressed up. He looks like Johnny Depp. He's dressed to the fucking nines. It says at the world premiere of this Michael Mann movie. 
You know, he's wearing some striped fucking thing. He's got the hair pulled back, but there's enough of it yeah. falling in his face oh, that sure. he looks like, you know, an adorable scruff. <clears throat> it's time to canonize that he's guy. He's down. He's crouched down under the red uh, carpet thing, underneath that uh, rope, the, the, the velvet rope, signing an autograph for a three-year-old girl in a dress. It makes every woman in the world love him. This Johnny Depp never makes a misstep. <laughs> Women would take this man and let him live in their vaginas. <laughs> He's a saint. He's got everything going for him. Here are the worst people in the world for autographs. Okay. They hate. Ten. Big globe tits. Scarlett Johansson. Bitch, huh? Doesn't like to sign the autographs. <clears throat> Surprising. Yeah, I mean, she's not that huge of a star yet. She's really just still kind of like a Maxim uh, cover girl. Uh, the only reason why I watched her last movie on cable, and I eventually had to fast forward to it, because she was in the Lexington candy shop. And I had to wait, wait, wait before I saw her <laughs> in my neighborhood place to get uh, ice cream. Uh, number nine, Terry Hatcher. Oh, wow. That's not surprising. The really? No, we saw her one time. Hat, hat pulled down, sunglasses, walking about 12 miles an hour. Yeah, a lot of people like to walk fast if yeah. they think they're going to get bothered. She was just she was gunning for it. Eight, the pride of New Jersey, Bruno, Bruce Willis. <laughs> Bruce Willis? What's he doing? I don't know. That Does not sucks. want to sign an autograph. Stop it, Bruce. Turn it around. He's an everyday guy. This is a shocker. Number seven. America's sweetheart, Julie Andrews. I am shocked at this. It would say Mary Poppins, you would think, would be nice and sign an autograph for people. Doesn't like it. Doesn't like to do it, thinks it's stupid. Number six. And if you um, really uh, want to get hurt, approach this man. John Malkovich. <laughs> yeah, well, that one is not a surprise. He seems like he would sit there, not just say no, but just to kind of stand there and tell you off. In a very effeminate way. <laughs> and a, an angry, effeminate way. He's one of the few people that can seem prissy slash dangerous. <laughs> yeah, I mean, and I, I heard he carries a knife on him and everything. Well, who, who doesn't? I'm never more than fucking two feet away from any weapon oh. at any given time. Um, but he does design his own clothes. I've got a hat ordered from Mr. John Malkovich that he designed. Oh, really? Still waiting. Oh. Hat and, the, and, just, the, and his guns. Brim. Well, just a little brim. Uh, five. Another person everyone seems to like, America's sweetheart, Renee Zellweger. Doesn't like the autographs. Number four. Everybody loves him. Everybody watches his commercials, his TV shows, his movies. Listens to his albums. William Shatner. Uh, he seems prickly. Uh, three. And again, you approach this person, you deserve to die. A walking female. <laughs> oh, yeah. that's That could be a pellet gun or a headbutt coming your way. What happened to his rap career? It seems <laughs> that, to it, that it's disappeared. Well, the movie's probably done shooting. Did he end up shaving? The uh, fake movie that he's putting together with Casey Affleck. Number two, he does whatever a spider can. Toby McGuire <gasps> doesn't like to sign an autograph. 
That's that's very surprising. He seems like such a good person. Like I, I, I could be friends with him. Him, I could even picture drawing a little cartoon web next to his name. Even the name Toby. That just says friendly. Sounds nice. No. And number one, and America loves this guy, Will Ferrell. Wow. The worst. He seems like he's in his own world. Like he wouldn't even uh, realize that other people are walking by, talking to him, or asking him for an autograph. I don't think he's insane. I don't think he has Asperger's. <laughs> but, I mean, I think it would be very exhausting if people asked you to write your name all the time. Will Ferrell's such a big star. I mean, he probably gets approached a ton. I'm surprised the American Dream Dusty Rhodes pro wrestler wasn't on that list of the worst. because Somebody would have to ask him for one. <laughs> well, I did as a portly child and got shoved. Not even a no, just a push. Um, here is uh, Mike in D.C. Hey, fellas, how you doing? Hello? 866-RUN-ZERO-FEZ. 866-RUN-ZERO-FEZ. Uh, Clyde in Michigan. Yeah, back in 95, I used to make a pretty darn good living off of uh, following on a PGA Tour and getting celebrity autographs. And a lot of times they won't sign because they know that you're making money off it. See, that's mm. the fucking problem. It, it's really... And if this guy doesn't help this guy make a living, he's a dick. Uh, fuck. We should just rise up and say enough of the stupid autograph stuff. It's ridiculous. I heard golfers are very bad at public relations anyway. I mean, you, most golfers I heard are not exactly fan-friendly. Well, I know Mike Allstott from the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. He would sign things. He would, you know, go to a signing, but he would always personalize everything. So it wasn't just a plain Mike Allstott autograph on a mini helmet or something. Mm. Some people play tricks on other people. I know um, uh, Trey Anastasio in uh, a fish uh, uh, docu <laughs> a fish documentary. If people asked for his picture, he'd give the camera to his friend, and the camera guy would shoot the picture from the shoulders down, so he'd cut off all the heads. I can't tell you how fucking hysterical I think that is. <laughs> that was I think it's the funniest fucking yeah. thing I've ever heard in my life. Right. So this, so so <laughs> scores and scores of people would be going, Trey, and they'd be like, well, Trey's an awesome guy. They get home two weeks later, <laughs> get their pictures back. <laughs> what a dick! I think it's just fucking... And then later you see the documentary, and now I think you have something a lot more valuable. <laughs> right. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, yeah. It really, that... Now that's become art to me. You know what I mean? You now have a piece of fucking art. That's fucking just uh, hysterical. But th then again, that was the late 90s when people were taking photos with cameras. Right. Now everyone's right. going to be like, well, hold on. Hold on, Trey. Let me check my cell phone. Trey, your head. Well, this gets to me about people. Um, I was at the, um, I I was at the, uh, a fucking concert the other night. And the uh, it's Steely Dan, and the tickets are about $175 a piece. I mean, it's a really expensive show, because you're seeing them in a very small place. And they're doing whole albums, and they're also doing nights where it's just like uh, people can sign up for a list and pick the songs. You pick their set. It's something just a little different. But the number of people watching the fucking concert through their goddamn telephone... I'm like, at the very least, you might as well just go to YouTube and watch this. <laughs> you're, you're wasting your night. 
And that's what I mean about getting an autograph. You're not really meeting that person acting like themselves. You're meeting that person uh, in a defensive position. You know, now they're acting like, yeah, that's great. Oh, sure, it was a lot of fun to make that movie with Tom Hanks. You know what I mean? They right. automatically go on automatic pilot. And they're not having a, a fucking real moment, you know? Yeah. Um, people were, you know, talking about the Bonnie Wright and Taj Mahal thing yesterday and how fucking cool it was. But that's because I was talking about stuff that they wanted to talk about. It wasn't the same shit that they fucking hear from everyone else. Mm -hmm. So you're not... If you're fucking open to being open with that person, not like, here, write this down for me, or stand next to me as a camera takes place, you're not really getting them. It just becomes a fucking an annoyance. And you feel a little and inferior. And what do you have at the mm. end of it? You standing <laughs> next to a famous person. What does that mean? doesn't mean that they're your friend. This is what I fucking get. You'll go over to someone's house. They'll have a picture of them... Standing next to celebrities up on the wall. You're not impressed. <laughs> you know that they just went to fucking Comic-Con or waited outside the, the fucking Four Seasons. But they don't have a picture of them and their best friend standing together. I mean, if anything, I get the travel pictures of I, I'm in such a beautiful place. Can you believe I'm fucking here? That I get 100%. That, that, that captures a real moment from your life. But you fucking, you know, I don't know, standing next to fucking somebody from Warrant. <laughs> I don't get that at all. And there's got to be some uh, an insecurity factor there, right? Like, look, I'm next to a great person, therefore I'm great. Here's a picture of me next to Joe Biden at a <laughs> fundraiser. Think that I'm better than I am. I, th I think that's what it is. I have great moments in my life. Well, that isn't a great moment. That's my point. A great moment is somebody else takes a picture of you water skiing with Joe Biden. Then I'd be like, what? <laughs> you and Joe Biden went water skiing? But you, at a fundraiser, standing next to Joe Biden doesn't fucking impress me. If anything, I find it slightly um, pathetic. I really do. I almost find it uh, a little fucking uh, sad here. All right, we got to take a break. Uh, hanging out with you today. When we come back, emails. Fuzzy, we get lots of emails. What the hell does that mean? That means whatever the hell you want it to mean. You're saying you want a piece of me? I can drop you like a bag of dirt. You want a piece of me? You got it! With the Ron and Fez show, 866-RON-ZERO-FEZ. That's 866-RON-ZERO-FEZ. Reminding you of the screening of Franklin's film last night in Brooklyn. It's the New York City debut. That's going to be August 29th. Lastnightinbrooklyn.com is the website. Cypherproductions.com if you want to get tickets. 
That will be August 29th, 8 p.m. at the Anthology Film Archives located at 32 2nd Avenue in New York, the evening of August 29th. Um, Fezzi, that should be a lot of fun. I don't think we've ever been to a friend's debut film before. No. Um, where not only are we friends with the director, but also friends with the star. It should be a star-studded event. I it will really be there. It should be a lot of fun. Yeah, it's going to be good. And um, it's unusual uh, for us to spend the night uh, together eating popcorn. It doesn't matter what the film is, uh, you have to watch, you have to eat popcorn. Uh, Fez, emails, we get plenty of emails. And now, Ron and Fez, the show of the future brings you... Electronic mail, mail sent electronically. Uh, this one says, Ron and Fez, love the show. Um... Watch, been watching a lot of DVD box sets of old TV shows. I noticed something. Uh, there are certain shows where the person played gay, and yet he wasn't. Michael Conrad and James Sickling uh, on Hill Street Blues play two of the gayest characters ever. Uh, looks like a whip, wears turtlenecks. Um, the other person spends all the time talking about his delicious coffee the appearance of department but now but they weren't gay on the show right they play the part of gay men mm -hmm. but uh, also he's my wife what other characters in television are like this i could only think of john astin's role in i'm dickens he's fenster with marty engel <laughs> that's hysterical jack cassidy in she and he Jack Cassidy, I don't care how many kids he had, <laughs> was totally gay. And Ted Knight and Mary Tyler Moore. Uh, and that guy from uh, Too Close for Comfort. Yeah, he was the gay guy on that was supposed to be straight, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, Jam J. Bullock. Jim, Jim J. Bullock. <laughs> um, well, if you went back to the old show Bewitched, it would be easy enough to say Paul Lynn, but... Dr. Bombay was definitely gay True. in that show, as was uh, her father. Her father would show up as this uh, gay guy, and then the mother really came on as a lesbian. Yeah, and so did uh, when Elizabeth Montgomery would play her own twin cousin, Serena. That seemed like a lesbian role to me. You're so right with the dad, the great Maurice Evans. Yeah, fantastic. And you know why they broke up. One was gay, the other was a lesbian. Yeah. Um, I think you really... By the way, you didn't see a lot of divorced couples on TV there. That's... And that, I guess because it <laughs> took place in the witch world, they could get away with it. Yeah, their separation. Mm. Um, I think you also have to go, uh, obviously, Mr. Furley on Three's Company was, I mean, he talked about yeah, being he, a womanizer. Yeah, he was gay. But he was totally gay. Yeah. As was anybody who watched that show, I think. I loved it. Uh, Dave, gay guys on TV without saying that they were gay. I just thought Boner from Growing Pains. Remember? Boner, definitely gay? Definitely gay. He was always hanging around with Kurt Cameron, always like talking, you know. Uh, just... well, and you would have thought that the odd couple, Felix, was a gay man. Right. Mm -hmm. And yet, he was always dating. Yeah, they were always on dates and, uh, and trying to get back with the ex-wife. But Felix Unger constantly in Oscar's room. 
when Oscar was passed out sleeping. I also oh, think, odd. think uh, Cliff Clavin was pretty gay. Like, he never had a girlfriend. Yeah. Never dated. Mama's boy, right? Yeah. Always talking about mama. Just weird, man. Gay. What is it with gay guys being mama's boys, still? <laughs> It's the one woman they're interested in. But does that kind of ruin them for all women? I am. And if that happens, it seems like gay is like a psychological defect. Right. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like some of the times you find out the gayness is just a psychological defect and nothing more. Um, here is uh, Sean in Bama. Sean, you're on my fence. Hey, Ronnie, what about Skippy from Family Ties? Skippy definitely gay. There's no way... He wasn't the gay friend. He didn't know it, but I think the rest of the family did. Mr. Belvedere. Gay? From Mr. Belvedere. Well, were any butlers not gay? Mr. French on Family <laughs> Affair. Gay. This is a very gay thing to be a butler, because you have to be too particular. Like, what do you give a fuck if the guy wants tea right now? You know? <laughs> they were also, like, Mr. French was also very antsy about his own privacy. In the uh, in the household, it, his off time was his off time too. He, yeah, and it's like Buffy and Jody had gone into his room, and they were never ever to do that. So there was dildos and stuff like that in there. <laughs> Lord knows what was going to be in Fucking there. Handcuffs and um, uh, Jay, what do you got for us? Roscoe P. Coltrane. He was always chasing those Duke boys. Yeah, a very southern gay thing going on. Yeah, I think even more than Roscoe, I think would be Boss Hog. Because of the white? Uh, I mean, the the immaculate suit that he was always in. Uh, his wife was this huge woman who, you know, he was afraid of, but there was never any sort of pleasing her. Um, here is uh, Jeff in Georgia. Uh, two of them, buddies. Uh, Joe from Back the Blob and Mr. Drummond from a Different Strokes. Richard in Georgia, you're on the Run of Fez show. Yeah, Howard Sprague on the Andy Griffith show in the later episodes. <laughs> well, if if you take a look at the Andy Griffith show, once you get outside of Andy, they seem like a lot of gay guys. The barber, Floyd, uh -huh. seemed to be gay. Goober. Goober was gay? I, You know, Goober had so many girl problems on there. If I went back before and said Gomer, you know, Gomer was definitely gay. Mm -hmm. And then he made it look. He made the uh, the entire Marine Corps look gay to me. Well, and then uh, with Goober too, there was also he had huge jealousy issues. Like if you know they were all hanging out and he wasn't. And that's a gay thing. Oh, well, I think it was. I want to be with my man friends thing. I think he was jealous <laughs> of man relationships. But Howard Sprague definitely interesting after last night's uh, fight. Yesterday's fight. Here is uh, Nick. Nick, you're on Run Fez. Hey, buddy. Uh, it's a Jim Dial from Murphy Brown. Yeah, anybody who is particular is considered gay. And why would that be? Why do we think if people... Let's go to, uh, to Frazier. Uh -huh. uh, they were two particular men. They were uh, fancy gentlemen, but they liked nice things. And because of that, it seems like a gay show. Because Even though we see them with girls. I think it's because it's uh, more of a womanly trait, and people will see that as being gay. Uh, Finley on, uh, in Cleveland, you're on Fez. 
Uh, Jerry from uh, Seinfeld was definitely a mo, and so was uh, the, the one brother from Two and a Half Men. Well, I thought Seinfeld did something really brilliant with that, where he brought up the fact that people thought he was gay uh, because he was clean, he was neat, and he was uh, forty and unmarried. Uh, <laughs> that he that that it was really brilliant that no one ever brings that up. And I was just discussing this with a uh, friend yesterday but it's no matter what you do in life where you know do whatever you want but everybody acts like you should have children you know oh yeah and now even gay couples okay you're gay you're married you should adopt it's like already they just act like uh -huh. there's nothing to life but raising children i uh, saw a woman yesterday on sixth avenue she had four kids she looked exhausted. She had one of the kids was probably not even two years old. She was allowing this child to get so far away from her because she was tired of it. So another thing in the park on Saturday, somebody let their kid wander way so far away. Now a big dog came over, started playing with the kid. The kid was freaking out, <laughs> thinking he was being attacked. Now I was clocking the dog, um, but... It took so long to the family to get to this three or four-year-old. They let this kid wander so far away in Central fucking Park, <laughs> where, you know, dogs isn't normally what people were paranoid about. The same thing with this couple yesterday. A six-year-old is pushing a four-year-old. <laughs> this woman was fucking powerless. And yet, I've done it to fucking people where, you know, hey, what are you two waiting for? <laughs> You ought to, you know, you ought to really think about it. And even your single friends, you're like, you ought to adopt. Be one of the single people. <laughs> By the way, that's Fred from Brooklyn listening. What the hell was that? Uh, that was that's something that should have been in queue, but the board, something's wrong with the board then because it should have been in queue and everything else was piled down. What was it? Audio from, someone sent me audio DJ New Style saying something about Fred from Brooklyn. Well, why, what would that have to do with us? I figured I'd burn just to give it a listen, and now the <laughs> don't now the world knows. And you did it over the air. Now we're all forced to listen to it. <laughs> well, what 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 is it? Now you got apparently New Style was running down Fred on uh, his uh, on his on like pal talk last night. And what's that got to do with us? It, it shouldn't have had anything to do with us. I was just giving it a listen just to see if there was anything there. Get it? Who sent it to you? Mooch. So Mooch thought it was good? He said there was audio. I asked him to send it to me so I can give it a listen. And then. Uh, How much audio do you have? Like two 30 second clips. All right. Well, you want to listen to it then? Because this bitch shot the shit. <laughs> we were all sitting oh. here. We'd had a no fight fucking Wednesday. <laughs> and then I hear the new style. That's Fred from Brooklyn listening. <laughs> By the way, Fred's been reinstated to ronfez.net. Oh, nice. The <laughs> lifetime ban is over. That? Pete Rose should have such luck. <laughs> What are you happy that the Hicks fucked up? No, I'm happy that they banned someone for life. Oh, and 24 hours they're reinstated. That now the, you talk about extremes. Yeah, you, I mean, don't get me wrong, reinstate him. That's cool. Wait a week. Uh, Tom, what do you got for me, buddy? I got a spy report, Ron. Oh, I like a spy report. Spy report. Spy report. Spy report. Yes. 
Yes, Paula Abdul has twittered it's official. She will not be returning to American Idol, and Fox has confirmed it. I let everyone know this was going to happen. They were not bringing Paula Abdul back. They had that other chick, Kara, in order to fill that role. So they didn't need her back this season. And you're going to watch a really even testier Simon Cowell because he doesn't have Paula there to play with. So he's going to be really ticked off. You're, you're not going to have a good Simon Cowell season this year. They're going to pay Simon Cowell $100 million to do nothing. I think he'll have a good year. It would have been easy enough if he loved Paula so much. Mm -hmm. Take five of my million. <laughs> Take five of my hundred. I'll make 95 million. Pay Paula the extra five. She would have been happy making an extra five mil. Uh, you, you act like you broke this story. Everybody saw this last year. There was no intention of having four judges. Paula Abdul has been off the rails for a couple years, and they're going to put her on the beach. Go on the beach and think about it. And if the show doesn't work out, let's face it, no one else is in a hurry to hire Paula Abdul. She's right. trying to do a show without them. It fucking ate shit. It was insanity. It was like following somebody's menopausal aunt through a goddamn alcoholic haze, which is kind of fun. She will be back, but they'll make a huge deal out of the return of Queen Nutsy next season. All right, someone just wrote, she's said she's uh, quit because she's had an impacted colon. <laughs> Maybe a good shit would fucking help you out there, Paula. Maybe a pay raise and an enema. It's hard when someone offers you millions to say that's not enough. Why? Mm. What are you doing? You're fucking not even an entertainer. You're a crazy person. I won't notice the difference because the show's still going to blow like it has the last eight years, and still millions of people are going to watch it. All right, are we are we going to listen to this audio that Mooch thought was so important for us, and, and you start playing it during our conversation? I Sure, we could listen to Have it. Have you already started on the Vaki Challenge? <laughs> Not yet, no. All right, let's take a listen. By the way, that's Fred from Brooklyn listening. He's a big fan of ours, apparently. He's very taken with what we do. Oh. Yeah, he is. In between, uh, you know, fixing chimneys and uh, puffing on the old weed, he gets to listen to our show and tweet about us all day long. Hey, by the way, if you want some bricks laid by Mexicans that are illegal, probably, call Fred from Brooklyn. I think he's Fred Brooklyn on Twitter. Go there and direct message what? him. <laughs> Holy Go shit! Go there and direct message him. This is the stuff. I should. I, it shouldn't have went over the air. I should. I should. It's two to guys it. we know battling back and forth. It's been going on for a while. What, what's the other part? No, he, he don't. You don't want to cross him because he's a. Uh, you know, he's a. He's a real gangster. Don't mess with this guy. He's really, really tough with his fucking FredFromBrooklyn.com billing dispute that he had to bring up on fucking Ron and Fez two two fucking days in a row. Really, it's that interesting. You owe Mafia Life Chris money. This is fucking fantastic. Way to just keep pushing through. I remember when all the listeners used to get along together. Oh, yeah. All these people are our friends. We try to get along with all of them. Something happened a couple years ago. There was some break. Like a big bang. Yeah. 
You know, some catalyst, some just explosion. What do they call that, Fez, when they're like trying to find a disease? They try to get back to patient zero or that's, something? That's exactly it, patient so, zero. Yeah. Find out where the outbreak exactly started. Pinpoint that. Where can you trace all the trouble to where it leads back to exactly where it started? And you're right. It started about two years ago. That much we know. Still nailing down patient zero, however. But I believe there's some leads. Oh. All right. Um, well, that was uh, compelling stuff. I think the boys are going to come in one day, too. Uh, DJ New Style and his uh, young friend, the Germ Freak, and uh, play uh, some game that they invented on their show. Uh, that... Uh, no, it's not UHTG. You bring everybody together. Oh, here's an article that was sent to me, Dave. That would, and by the way, I got this from a million people. Uh, everybody uh, thought of you when this article came out, Dave. Redheads have extra pain, and that may do to their redheads have more of a fear of a dentist than anyone else. Because you feel pain sure. in ways that other people don't. Yeah. Why is that? I have to only believe that every time I say I have sensitive skin, I'm not just bullshitting. That because we have some sort of weird, um, we're lacking something in our DNA that normal non-redheaded people have that don't get burnt if they're outside for five fucking minutes. And that doesn't just, you know, go with sunburns and everything. I think it goes with everything. Teeth aches, or toothaches, headaches, and physical Your headaches pain. are worse than other people. Yeah, and physical pain. I mean, when I get slapped around, it fucking hurts. It, that's why I scream so loudly. Because I, I've been saying it for years. In fact, to further elaborate, this is a different research that says redheads also feel heat worse than other people. And how is this fair? We feel coldness worse than other people. So we can't even get a break that way. So we, if we, we feel heat worse, we can't even go into a cold temperature. Everything's got to be 52 degrees. It's like the skin isn't just pale. It's like it's too thin. It's There's too, just nerves hanging out there it's, everywhere. It's Goldilocks porridge. It has to be perfectly right in order for us not to be feeling pain right now, you know, or, and for us to feel comfortable. I mean, there's plenty of times where I'm just sitting there and I'll, I'll start sweating. I'll put a shirt on. All of a sudden, I'm way too fucking hot. I think I'm going to pass out. Then I'm too cold. And, and, and you know, when the, the strippers or whatever beat me up and I was screaming, that's why. We're just a cursed species. I, I mean, have no idea. Is that why you avoid the dentist? I avoid everything. I, I try to. But then I also see the doctors to just to make sure that like, I'm not going to die. I don't have any kind of skin cancer of the week, any type of whatever, eye disease of the week, whatever. That eye injury that you've got from your daughter, I can't. the eye is the most sensitive thing to me. Like he was talking about his daughter scratching his eye. You think that somehow makes you different? Everyone's eye is sensitive. Yeah, but I mean, I don't want to hear about an eye injury. I'd rather hear about a bone breaking or watch, you know, Joe Theismann's leg snap, then look at his eye. What about this, though? Think about this. There's your eye. It's being forced open. Yeah. Lemon seeds oh. are put on top uh. of the eye, 
and then sprinkles of pepper and salt into the eye. That's hideous. That look, my eyes will water from thinking about someone else's eye injury. What about this? Your eye is forced open. Uh-huh. I take a pencil. Oh. And just try to write in the white part of your eyes. Hi, Fagala. <laughs> Would that bother you? That, that would bother me in several ways, amongst them being painful. What i got to remember to do is write it backwards so you can read it. Yeah. And upside down, right? Why upside down? I thought that's the way it has to go. We see upside down? Yeah. That makes me dizzy. Yeah, that, that makes me very dizzy, and I don't think it's true. The eye is just too, it's just too out there. It's too exposed, and it's too easily injured. Yeah, you're right about that. Well, my daughter barely touched me, and she fucked my eye up. You went to the eye doctor yesterday? I, I, I was going to, but then... No, you wouldn't. I got too late. No, no, I, I, I went. No, you wouldn't, because you weren't making sense when I said, what time is your appointment? Last one of the day. You just... There's nothing together with that. <laughs> well, I called them, and they, they said they can squeeze me in if, if I come in later in the day. Hold on, I have to delete another fucking forward from Six Pack Bill. Every time I look at my emails... This guy fucking sends me 40 forwards. I even wrote back, do not take me off your forward list. Won't fucking do it. There's nothing so interesting that it needs to be forwarded. <laughs> and then for me to forward to eight more friends so I get good uh, fucking luck. Uh, Johnny in Brooklyn. Hey, uh, what about the theory that redheads in general are just a genetic uh, mistake? Well, there is, there is, uh, you're mutants. I don't think it's a mistake, but you are a mutated species. Well, that, that's definitely true. But, I mean, you know, we're mutated. You're no different than squids. <laughs> there, there is this, the final, what are you doing rubbing your eyes? My eyes are bothering me from talking about his eye. What about this? You're tied down. Uh-huh. Your eyes are forced open. And just a thing thing of sandpaper. Oh. Over top oh. of the eye. Until I can clean it. Oh, that is awful. I'd rather I'd rather see brain surgery than ha than see that. Would this make you happy if you saw a tiny spider crawling across your eye? I would hate I would hate that. I would never want to open my eyes again. I've had bugs in my eyes. Had balls in your eyes. I've had gnats get under that eyelid where I've had to have Ron yeah, flush it out you for had, me. You had gonads in your eyelids? Gnats. Not nads. Gnats. No big deal. It just makes my eyes burn thinking about eyes. They say if you stare into the sun, it'll help you. I think I have a, a Visine dependency because I'm out of Visine for the last three days and my eyes wake up and they're totally, totally they red. They say Visine's not good for your eyes. I, I believe it now because since I've been off the Visine the last few days, my eyes are just, they feel like they're on fire. Uh, Rob, you're on the fuzz. Hey, buddy, old school, 18940. What do you say, dude? The last time, last time I checked, man, the Vikings, they were a bunch of redheads. They ran around and did a lot of cool shit. They weren't running around crying like babies. Oh, I'm cold. Oh, I'm hot. They looked ass. Dave, you're a faggot. Times were different then. Uh, Brian in Boston, you're on a fez. Hey, and they lived up, in the cold. Yeah. Hey, uh, however uh, retarded and stupid uh, Dave's redhead brain is, he actually got one thing right that fez didn't believe him about uh, the eyeballs being upside down. Your, uh, your brain actually has to flip that image 
because the lens in your eye actually puts it upside down. And you could actually buy uh, glasses that flip the image so you're walking around seeing upside down. What, what, are you saying the whole world is upside down? Uh, maybe to some people. <laughs> See, that's what it'll get. Uh, if the brain flips it, uh -huh. it means that everything really is upside down and we don't see it that way. Well, that's and insane. This fucking building. All right. I mean, imagine this building upside down and we're all just hanging. That really couldn't be, could it? I yeah. Mean, the sky is, is I do, down. The sky is down. I do not want to look down and see the sky. That's never going to be good. That just fell up. <laughs> gravity sucks you up. So we have no, we have no gravity, or no. it's just working the other way. It works the opposite way. Well, that's gravity ridiculous. pulls up. Well, I don't know what's up and what's down now. And out. Uh, Jeff, Jeff, you're on Fez. Hey, buddy, how you doing? Uh, Fezzy, I got a guy I know second down a river, and right along a branch. Sticks in his eye, cuts oh. his eye in half, he loses it. Jeez, I cannot open my eyes now. They're watering that bad, they're burning that bad that I can't open them. You should get one of those Ricky Williams football helmets, Fess. Just wear that. You know, this is what bothers me. I know because of this fucking thing that uh, Hicks did, I'm going to have to explain later to... Uh, Fred, that no, we weren't setting you up to make you fucking feel bad today. Right. You know what I'm saying? Oh, that's yeah. true, yeah, because there, no, there was no intention at all there, Fred. All we heard was something bleed into our show. Is Mooch not a, a, a Fred fan? Is that what started this? No, not at all. Why not? No, he uh, he said, he was telling me that New Style said something, and I said, "Send me the audio. Might as well hear it." And then, uh, but it fucked up with the CD player. Should never have been on the air. What are you running a gossip column over there? No, not at all. They do something <laughs> on a podcast that's for them. Fred does something on his podcast that's for him. No, not at all. Everybody used to get along so great. The Ron Fez .net parties were like fucking love fest. Now Fezzi says he doesn't even want to do another one. No, no. I, I, then why go? That's what I say. Why bother? I see the attitude on the website. So why I don't want to get negative today. Okay. We were having a nice, positive yeah. day until fucking Hicks drops a fucking negative bomb on us. <laughs> and I know exactly where you were going. I know what you were doing with your other patient zero bit. Mm-hmm. 866-RUN-ZERO-FEZ. <laughs> you look at me for? 866 runs 0 fez <laughs> You know why. Uh, Bud, Bud the Trucker, you're a fez Fez, yes. my worst fear is walking through the woods and catching one thin spider web right across the eyeballs. That can happen to you. It can. Uh, here is Richard in Florida. Hey, Fez, yes. why don't you get your eyes tattooed, uh, the white part of your eyes tattooed like some of these freaks out here? Oh, look at that, Fez. They get the blue there. And all they do is drop the ink into that part of them. Oh, yeah, right into the cornea, into the white part. The oh. white part is the cornea? I think so, isn't it? Uh, then what's the black part? The black part is the pupil. Okay. Uh, and then what's the color part, Where the color of your eyes? That's the iris. All right. I think I'm ready for the pop quiz. 
I never paid attention to any of that. I totally paid attention to it because I, I wanted to know what went wrong with optic nerves, what could go wrong with corneas getting well, scratched. The optic nerve thing is scary because I could give you a slap on the head that could rip your optic nerve out. Yeah. And if you shake your head too fast, I mean, we sit around and talk about stuff. But really, a lot of the concussions that people get uh -huh. is not from hitting your head, but from having your head slapped from one side to the other real fast. That's what happens to football players. It's not so much of them hitting, getting hit head to head. It's their neck slapping. Hmm. And that brain sloshing around inside. Yeah, the brain sloshes. Sounds good, though. Like what a slurpee. Brain slosh? You're just trying to annoy Fez. I get it. We were doing so great. And now it's back to... People are annoying Fez. Fez takes pot shots at runfez.net. I'm going to have to talk to Fred later to say, no, nobody was fucking making fun of you. Everybody likes everybody. Let's move along. Mooch and Hicks, they get into their mind. Oh, everybody's getting along nice today? Let me drop a little fucking uh, poison pellet into it. And then Fez starts saying stuff. That Dave is too stupid to get, and Dave tries to annoy Fez, and here's the kind of day I have. It happens every fucking day to me. And this fucking six-pack guy sending me... Why don't you spam him? Here's what it says. It's six-pack bill two. This one, the forward is, towel heads, good one. I'm not going to read something called towel heads. <laughs> but it's a good one. It's a good one, though. Maybe it might be good. And okay, now I don't know Six Pack Bill from Adam, but I guarantee you he calls himself Six Pack Bill. Not I his friends. I will let you this. This is why I know who he is. Six Pack Bill too. At AOL, he's not the biggest Fez fan that ever lived. Oh, okay. Would like to get you off the show. Uh, here is uh, Alex in Virginia. Hey Fez, check this out. I, uh, a buddy of mine was a welder, and uh, he had pieces of metal that got in his eye. He thought he just got a flash burn. Turns out there were pockets of rust around him. They had to drill him out with a dentist drill out of the lens in his eye. Oh, my gosh. Well, you're just, uh, your eye is rusting out of your head. That's um, correct. Little, little pockets of rust. Yeah, you got to be very uh, careful. Uh, welders get stuff like that all the time. Wow. Um, Clint, Clint, you're on a Fez. Hey, Fez. Uh, my biggest fear is, like, to be out there fishing. And someone in front of you casts and catches the little hook right into your eyeball and, and pulls it. I always think about that. Yeah, some of the guys on Roosevelt Island, down at the end, uh, they'll uh, go fishing and they're casting their lines. I'm always expecting someone's eye to just get hooked and then be used as a bobber. Um, that was, that's actually pretty interesting. Steve, you're running Fez. Hey, uh, Fez, let me ask you a question. If, uh, if the world is upside down, then are trees growing up, or are they hanging down? They're hanging down if your eye works to say that it does, the way they say it does. And what's up is down. The sky is down from you. I was sitting oh. in the office today. All fucked up. And I look across the way, out the window, because there's this giant monstrosity on the outside of the window. I scream. It's the window cleaners. I scream. I'm fucking starving. <laughs> I screamed in a panic, the window cleaners. I saw people, I saw humans outside the 30, 37th floor of this building. They were on the outside of the window looking in. It was more than I could take. 
Well, they were washing the windows, too. I mean, I've always seen, I've seen it, you know, from down below, and it looks nuts. When you're looking outside a window this high up and you see another person just standing there on the wrong side of the window, it's insanity. How much do they pay these guys? Billions? Uh, I would expect, if you're 37 stories up in the air, uh-huh. I expect to get a pretty decent fucking pay there. Hmm. We ought to check on that to see what those window guys get. I mean, because it's in, I mean, they are just out there. And it just seems like I know they're supposedly tethered or buckled. Well, but here's, that, what, here's what gets to you. Uh, these people, you know what, how quick a storm comes up in the summer. Sure. How long do you think it takes them to get back up to the top to get off the top of the building? Right. I mean, they got to be at the top of the building and then lower themselves down. That's yeah. fucking ballsy. It's, it, and yeah. that's. Are you saying that because you know what we're doing at the next hypnosis show? No, I don't, I'm not saying that's that. That's what we're working with, the window cleaners. I don't want to work with the window cleaners. On the outside of the skyscraper. Mm -hmm. These windows open. If we lower the window cleaning thing down, the scaffolding, we can put you on it. And that buckle, that, it can't be enough. You, you couldn't possibly feel safe just dude, from having that buckle, though. Dude, you know that guy fell across the street from me. Right, yeah. Two brothers. One fell on the other. It was something crazy, like 30 stories. Right. One lived. Window cleaners make 50 grand a year, according to New York Magazine. That's fucking nothing. This one says 40 yeah. grand. To be standing outside every day, you're fucking, you're a stuntman. You're a fucking stuntman in a movie. And that whole deal of when that, um, that cart or whatever they call it, that, that, that they're standing on, first goes over the side of the building and you're stepping into that yeah every day you have to trust like i guess this is still good yeah that this is set that nobody has forgotten the slightest detail well how high is this building is it like 50 stories or so i think it's 50 all right so let's suppose you you get down and you're like all right i'm on the 34th floor i can't fucking stand this anymore i'm fucking outside i'm freaking out Jeez. i can't stand it yeah i want to get off you still got to slowly go up another 14 stories to finally get to the top. And then what if you do this? You're out there and, oh, it's not working. The motor doesn't work. That's fucking crazy. And it seems, I mean, the equipment, I'm sorry, it just doesn't look, uh, everyone's grabbing the walls like this building is going down or we're going to end up on the outside of the window. All right. You're acting like you're walking on a ledge. And it's freaking me out. All right, now you're backing along the side of the building like you're on a ladder. Don't lean forward. Yeah, how do you trust? That? And then you're that leap of faith that you step into that bucket. It's literally a leap of faith. The tapes go flying upwards. <laughs> Put the tape away. Waster. Uh, Ron, you're running fast. Hello. Yeah, I used to be a window cleaner in Hawaii. Uh, we used to clean 42-story buildings, hang on our ropes. Uh, we didn't even have the swing stages, and uh, they only get paid 15 bucks an hour for that. Uh, Dan in Ohio, you're on says. Bezzy, if you fucking get hit in the eyeball with something, you don't have to worry about the eyeball, but it's a clear path to your brain because there's no skull in the way. So if something hits your eye bad enough, it'll just kill you. So you don't have to worry about your eyeball. Yeah, just go straight through, right through that um, optic socket or whatever they call it. 
like one of the fishermen there on uh, somewhere in New York. He had a sinker. He had a snag. He pulled on it real hard, and the sinker went right through his eyeball, into his brain, killed his ass. Dude, this is the craziest thing. This is a picture right now from outside of our building. Oh, man, the, the, the window washer thing is uh, dropping halfway. That was just taken just now. What? Are, is everybody okay? I wouldn't think so. Would you be okay no. if your thing dropped over? That thing is, it's all lopsided. One end just dropped. Anthony and Queens. What's wrong, Fizz? Because it says Boston on it. I saw, I saw a 37th <laughs> floor, and I was, like, all there. Uh, Anthony, go ahead, buddy. Hey, buddy. Uh, I wanted to step back for a second and, and tell Dave that the reason why redheaded people are a little different, and most Europeans are different, is that they believe, there's a widely held belief that uh, Homo sapiens coming out of Africa mated with Neanderthals which is why there's so much genetic diversity in Europe as opposed to the rest of the world. So Dave's a little primitive. It would be great if we knew that they were actually another species. Redhead also, people? No. I hate to say it, Dave, that would make your kids subhuman because <laughs> those... They're half-bloods at least. Yeah, but that's subhuman. Right. Sub what we consider human. They're not 100% homo sapien. So they're muggles? Worse. Oh, fuck. Uh, Luke in Minnesota. Luke, you're on the Run of Fish show. Hey, buddies. Yeah. Hey, Ron, I got one for you. Mm -hmm. Can hold Fez down and give him a paper cut on his eye. Would you be willing to take a paper cut, Fez, for no, the show? No, I don't want a paper cut across my cornea, across mm. my eyeball. And that seems like it wouldn't even, like there would be blood and like a combination of eye juice just oozing out. Like squishing a grape. Uh, this was an interesting story. In New York City, uh, a guy has been arrested. He's got a half pound of crystal meth, moving it from California to New York to sell. He's the son of movie star Michael Douglas. <laughs> Michael Douglas' kid is a meth dealer. Now, does Michael Douglas's kid have to do this for a living? Isn't there Look, some sort of Michael Douglas connection? Even if Michael Douglas isn't going to give him money, where Michael Douglas, could, you know, he knows enough people, he could get some sort of job and not be cross-country meth dealer? Some extra catch. The only good Douglases in that family are Michael and Kirk. The rest, there's like 30 the, the Douglases. brothers totally fucked up. <laughs> right, there's a couple <laughs> brothers who are nuts. There's a couple <laughs> grandchildren who are totally fucked. So they weigh, they, they, they far outweigh the good Douglases. You know, it's kind of like a Baldwin situation. Two I mean, more four words I got to delete from Six Pack Build 2. What an asshole. You could spam them. Spam them how? Press spam when you get that email, and then that, that'll cut down. He, he won't be able to get in contact with you anymore. So any email he sends me, he's it's now fucked? It's gone, yeah. It goes into the spam folder. Yeah. Spam, spam, spam. You just click that spam, button on spam, AOL. Report, spam, spam. <laughs> report spam. That's over for him. Then I feel like a cop. <laughs> At that point, point, I feel like an annoying cop. Well, but I don't I mean, go around reporting people. Well, 
So you spam. See right there, right, mm-hmm. right on the right tab, and then all you do that, you press. I just that. spammed him. Oh, good. Spam the fucker. <laughs> good. Well, he, you won't be hearing from him no more. That'll be the end of him. <laughs> and is he gonna know your spam? Uh, I'm not so sure. I've never been spammed by somebody. I'm gonna spam you too. Please don't do that. I don't have to hear any of your stupid ideas for the show. Come on. I sent you a nice email yesterday, late at night. Did you get that? What was it? You didn't get it? Only the greatest video in the history of videos? Oh, you know what? The fat kid who, uh... <laughs> on a roller coaster. On the roller coaster, whose mother basically abused him. <laughs> a fat kid's falling down on a roller coaster. By the way, I got right. this first sent to me six months ago. Oh, really? And he feels like he's going to fall out. He's having a panic attack. Sure. His mother laughs all through <laughs> Does not give a fuck. Now, it's funny because he's fat. Right. And yet, you know enough about what you've been through in your life to mm-hmm. know if you have a panic attack and you're calling for the help of the one person. All right, put it on hold here. The one person who's supposed to help you. Yeah. And they don't. The rest of your life is fucked. So I want you to watch this fat kid, Fezzy. Okay. Uh, l- let it, um, you know, get all ready. And turn the lights down. And I think you can get this on YouTube. It just says "fat kid on a roller coaster." Right. Well, I just went YouTube crazy with fat kids, but I thought this was <laughs> definitely the best video of them all. But I got this about six months ago. Oh shit! Uh, that always sucks when you think you're sending someone something new. I know six pack Bill. <laughs> I know you get fucking disappointed. <laughs> but uh, you, it's funny because he's a fat kid, Fez. But sure. put yourself I, in his position and look at how much his own mother. Whoever this woman is, neglects him. Now, here he is. He's on his fat fucking uh, roller coaster. He thinks he's going to... It's not even a roller coaster. I don't even know what the ride is. It seems like it's more like a free fall type of situation. Yeah, some stupid swing that the robes go on. All right, take a a gander, Fez, and relate to this kid. When you are in a panic like that, and you're in pain like that, and you can't convince another person, you're desperately pleading for help, and you can't get that across, even to your own mother, that you are in distress and you need help, this is insane. And that kid was in a bad spot. How about how much smaller he kept getting with every shift of the ride? He thought he was falling out of it. 
the end of the ride. And you just see his head. And he couldn't convince anyone. That's that's where the panic is uh, getting amplified. Not being able to convince anyone that you please need help. Even if she just said, it'll be over in a few seconds. Or you're all right. I can see that you're still buckled in. You're fine. She didn't I, give a fuck about this kid. She could care less. She's laughing like anyone else watching this on YouTube, laughing at her fat kid. <laughs> this woman is vicious. Look at where he starts. Now look. He gets a <laughs> Yes, he's basically <laughs> hanging himself from fear. He's hanging himself in the, uh, in the straps. But here's the other part of this. It's a fear of nothing. The kid yeah. is fine. He is fine. He's on a fucking, on a ride. Well, should, she, should she start screaming with him, uh, giving him more panic? No, she should at least acknowledge that she hears him. That's not giving into it. Acknowledge that you hear that he's in some sort of distress. He thinks he's stuck and he's falling and he's, uh, you know, all alone in the world. So you identify with his position. I totally identify with the kid here. All right, don't act like you're falling. Please. So you you would blame the mom? I totally blame the mother. Would you take this um, child away from the mom? Um, I think I would. I mean, I'd, I'd like to see what else is going on in this family, but there is no sensitivity to her child at all. I I don't think she's... she has no clue what this kid is going well, through. First of all, she's on a roller coaster, so people, you know, she's euphoric, and once you start laughing on a roller coaster, you're not stopping. Just like he started to panic. I want the kid got shot in the face. She'd still be laughing. But <laughs> yeah, she might. No, she wouldn't. What if she looked over and he really had fallen? Well, then maybe she would have gotten out of her euphoric state. But the kid was buckled in, and he's fat and flopping around like an idiot. Sinking into the chair. And then he says the proverbial... It just makes you furious, Buzz? It, it just makes me furious, especially that Dave, you know, thinks this is a riot. A parent himself. I mean, what if one of his kids was, you know, yelling for, please give me some sort of help here. Just, I mean, just asking for acknowledgement. If they were stuck in a harmless situation, I would, I honestly would laugh. Mm-hmm. I would. And the you fact know what? I really don't doubt that. The fact that a fat kid would say, I'm stuck in any situation. It's insane that you would laugh at this. It's, it's absolutely mind boggles me. There is is this why you're in therapy? Because people didn't care about you when you were a sensitive little kid? I remember begging, you know, being in panics when I was a kid and trying to convince family members and parents of the distress I was in. And not being able to get through to people. Not being able to get that through their minds. Give, give me an example, one of the times. I remember one time my brother Corky just had me in some sort of hammerlock. He was bending my arm. I was screaming that it was breaking. And those two numbskull southern idiots sat there on the couch and laughed and laughed that I was getting my arm broken off of my uh, from my shoulder. And I could not convince them that, hey, you know what? He's really hurting me. This isn't play wrestling. We're not, you know, we're not acting like the wrestlers. This is really, really agonizing me. And you're not, you're not stepping in to stop it at all. And I could not convince them that I needed them to get someone seven years older than me off of my damn back. Hmm. 
Do you think that was only because, like, you were if 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 a, if a child's overweight, is that why the laughter? Because I mean, I think I I probably would laugh if this was a, a thin kid as well. I probably wouldn't laugh as hard, but I think I would definitely laugh. I'm sure it, that has something to do with it. Hmm. So you don't um, you don't think Dave is being funny here? No, not at all. Not at all. I don't see where he, him or this kid's own mother. It makes no sense to me. Why that, why someone else's terror? I mean, and I mean, not just, you know, fun terror. We're going through a fun house and mm-hmm. someone jumped out and yelled boo and everybody screamed. But no, I mean, this I, kid is in a bad spot and she's loving it. I, the fact that you, that you're still furious with your family, right? Uh-huh. About not protecting you when your brother was doing that to your arm? Uh-huh. Uh, did your arm break? No, it didn't. So that's probably why they're laughing. That you're acting like your arm was broken. It wasn't. Yeah, but I was in a tremendous amount of pain that they were not stopping. Why wouldn't you stop that? Why wouldn't you pull a big kid off of a little kid? Especially when the little kid's your kid, too. Yeah, because it's your brother. Makes no sense to me. So your brother never got in trouble for terrorizing you? I re- I do not remember him catching a- catching any sort of hell for um, just constantly thumping me and my sister. I don't know. I mean, that's kind of growing up, and and the the, the purpose of a roller coaster is to instill fear. So that's why she's laughing. I'll agree with you that uh, the 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 mom should have never put the kid on the roller coaster in the first place. He's obviously big Should kids even be allowed on roller coasters? Um, I, there's kids that can handle it. You know, I mean, the, and if they're tall enough, I guess that they match the sign. But there's kids like this that got no business being on a roller coaster. How would you know? I mean, uh, you just have to go by what your kid does in, in regular life. I have the feeling that this isn't the first panic attack this kid has had. I guarantee you, Fatty ain't getting on another roller coaster. Look at him. <laughs> yeah. He's never going to get up again. Uh, Jerry, you're on running Fez. Hey, Ron. You know what Fez doesn't understand is that kid probably annoyed the shit out of his mom for at least a good hour before he got on there. She probably, you know, she probably knew what his reaction was going to be. And told him, no, little fatty, I'm not going to take you on there because you're going to scare the shit out of you. No, Mom, I want to. If you don't take me, you know. You know how they do. When you when you hear that, does it make you even angrier, Fuzz? Yeah, she's the mom. Be in control. Alex, New Jersey. Hey, what's going on? So, I think it's a good thing that um, Davey would, you know, kind of laugh at his you know, you're a little kid, you get locked in a little crate somewhere, and you're claustrophobic. You're sitting there for a while, and after a while you realize you're okay. There's something to be afraid of. That helps you grow. This kid was never going to get to that point where he thought he was okay on this ride. He thought he was falling out of a ride, out of he, an amusement park ride. He wasn't ride. falling out of the ride. He's still on the ride. He thought he was. Yeah. He's got his head caught between the scrap, the straps. He thinks he thinks his whole body is headed, you know, down to the earth. But that's he the was point. never going to be. He was never going to get used to that feeling. And all she had to do was, at the very least, you know, just lean over and say, "You're fine. I can see you. You're fine. Everything's okay. The ride is working. It'll be done in fifteen seconds." 
Well, if it's a good roller coaster, you should feel like you're falling out. And then you, you become so happy and elated when the ride is over. And you go, oh, Do you my. think Fez is just being a baby about this, Dave? Well, I just think that... Uh, I think there's nothing wrong with actually either person. I think the kid freaked out, but the, the mom had every re- reason to laugh at her little pork chop of a son who's... And you see it as a sadistic, Fez. I, I see it as very sadistic. I think Dave is also not looking at the actual moment of it. He's looking at a video where the kid ended up being fine, but that kid is not fine in that moment on that ride. Yeah, he is. The kid's okay. He doesn't think that he is, Uh but he is okay. He's got uh, three different straps around him, and the reason why he was falling like that is because he wasn't sitting up straight. Right. He was panicking. And they even said, the, the mom even says, put your feet up on the bars, put your arms in this position. And he started to, like, squirm and go right. insane. Yeah. <laughs> like flounder from Animal House. So, I, I mean, I don't think the kid was ever in any physical danger. Uh, but he definitely, there's no doubt, he thought he was uh, fucked. Oh, yeah, he, he thought he was did. dying. Yeah. yeah. But, but Dave's feeling is, that's why you get on a roller coaster. The initial roller coaster was, people had trains. And a scary thought was a runaway train. What if the train ran away? So they built this thing to let everybody have the feeling of a runaway train without actually uh, being in a runaway train. So he got the full thing of what this was about. He, he understands, oh, my life is in jeopardy. Mm-hmm. And he's like a little hero there, the way he reacts. He's like a, <laughs> a little fat hero. <laughs> Does this make you angry with Dave, though, that he doesn't see your point of view? Yeah, that he can't understand. You know, maybe he maybe he didn't panic as a kid. Maybe he doesn't panic now. But, you know, there's got to be some sort of sensitivity to a kid, and he's got none of it there. Oh, but why go on a roller coaster if you're not going to be scared? I get I, I go to Great Adventure every summer, once a summer. You're still scared. And I get scared, but it's like I'm so happy. I'm actually getting happy that I'm scared. And even as a kid, I would say, so stop it, stop it, you know. But that by the end of it, I was so happy that they hadn't stopped the ride. You're not this kid. Patrick in Boston. Yeah, there's another video with this kid where his dad washes his asshole out with a hose in the driveway. Didn't that happen to you, Fez? Yeah, that happened to me. The hose did not go into my ass, but I ass crack was washed out. Did you ask your dad to stop? And he kept on going? I did. I said, you know, and I told everyone to stop laughing, too. Did they stop? No, nobody stopped. Nobody stopped. But look today. Now you're stronger and you're able to stop people from laughing. If they're listening to this show on a daily basis, you will stop them. You will stop them through the powers that you've learned over the years. So this has you a little mad at Dave. Totally, yeah. Oh, man. Yeah. And you see this as part of the insensitivity that you're shown. Yeah, exactly. Insensitivity that I was shown as a kid and, you know, Dave's uh, insensitivity in here. And to his own children? Oh, yeah. The fact that he said he would do this to one of his kids, that makes me ill. Does that make you want to report him? I would, you know, I would love to. <laughs> uh, George in Texas. George, you're on the Run of Fez show. Hey, Fez, just in defense of Dave, I'm a father of three boys. The reason why you laugh and treat that situation with levity is not to scare the kid even further. If you start getting panicked, as your kid's getting panicked, 
that's not what your kid's looking for. If you're calm, collected, and having a good time, it changes their demeanor. Yeah, it you're really helping worked. the kid get through a difficult situation more than if you go into a full panic mode with the kid. I mean, I never, I never told the mother to panic. I never said that. I said just say something comforting to him. I never said well, for her to panic. By laughing, she's showing the kid, hey, have a good time. There's nothing to be scared of. She's trying to bring levity to the situation to calm her kid back down. Oh, yes. I disagree. She was laughing like a hyena. She was going off. She was in her own world. She was oblivious to anything this kid needed. Not only that, but let's face it, this came off of some kind of uh, Funniest Home Videos. They've actually taken this now and are showing it worldwide. The people are saying, look at Fatty, he's afraid. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I'm sure this helps him in the long run, too. It might. If this is the kind of stuff you, you deal with with your, with your shrink? Because I know you deal with the childhood stuff uh, almost exclusively. Yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, a lot of that is it. A lot of that comes up of just, you know, where there's feelings. I had when I was a kid, and I guess my fault. I didn't outgrow them, but, you know, they still affect me to this day. I'm sorry it happens. And you feel like people are insensitive then, and people can be insensitive now. Sure. And you feel like Dave is one of those insensitive D people. Dave's totally insensitive like that. And he looks for reasons to make you get in that state and then laugh once you're there. Yeah, he wants me to be the fat kid stuck in the uh, roller coaster strap. That's not how I think of it. Then why are you laughing? <laughs> fat kid is a, just a funny phrase, I mean. Uh, here's Stu in Ohio. Hey, Fezzi, I love you, but this is what really jacks me up about you. You, you don't really know the whole situation here with, you know, the, the kid probably wanting to be on the ride. And, 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 and then you're saying how the mother, ought, the kid ought to be taken away from the mother. You know, sure. I, I got kids, I put them on these, I put them on these rides before and they scream their heads off like that. And 10 minutes later, they want to get back on them. And I disagree with you. At one point, you said all she needed to do was comforting. If it's the same video, I think it is. I've seen it before. If you notice, she reach, she does reach over at one point and put her hand on him. Yeah, she does. But so, you, 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 you... I think that comes at the end of the ride. Midway. It seems to me that the mother was focusing on her own enjoyment yeah. of the ride, yeah. not on the kid at all. Yeah, I. you know what? I wonder, if, you know, I mean, him screaming had her laughing... And that I don't understand. But you're right. She wasn't thinking. I don't think she ever thought for a moment to even check. Is he really falling out? Could this be like this hazardous thing that's going on? This dangerous thing? Well, no. The answer is no. I'm looking at it right here. The kid the kid isn't in any physical danger. Mm -hmm. What he has done is, is he's sitting incorrectly. In the same way as if you were in a car seat. In the, you know, in a car with the shoulder strap and you start to slide down, it would catch your neck right. in the same way. Uh, but you really wouldn't be in any, in any true danger. At the same time, I do recognize that this is important to you and this is very upsetting for you to see this. Yes. And the kid doesn't realize he's not in any true danger. Yeah, I, mean, I agree with that. He's the only one, I guess, that doesn't realize that. Well, in the, in the same way when you're a little kid, there are some kids, you're afraid of thunder and lightning, right? Sure. So you hear this loud boom, suddenly mm -hmm. the sky is exploding, you go running <laughs> into 
your fucking parents' room in the middle of the night, and it's up to them to explain to you what thunder is. Or some people, pop, said, hey, stop being a pussy, <laughs> go to sleep, mm-hmm. you're keeping me awake. So, you know, and then you learn, okay, thunder, you know, whatever. But the reality of it is, no matter what the response is, you're never in physical danger. It's just what they wish to explain to the uh, world or not. You yeah. know what I'm saying? Yeah, I, I mean, I understand that. No real danger here. But this kid, he just needed, he needed somebody to say, he needed that mom to well, say to him, you're not in real danger. But it wasn't the fact that she's laughing mm-hmm. also to show, I mean, let's suppose like alligators were pulling the kids away. The mom would not be laughing, she'd be reacting. No, mm-hmm. no, because here's the thing. The kid is screaming and he only hears her laughing. So he doesn't even know if he's getting through to her. He doesn't know that that laughing is her response to him or that this is actually fun. He doesn't he has no, he thinks he's not making himself clear or he's not saying it loud enough. That's what he's going through. Trust me on it. I understand that you're wrong. But what you, what's disturbing for you is to see a young fat kid having a panic attack. Yes. Right? Yes. In the same way of the thunder and lightning, he's not in danger. Right. Okay. Also, back to you when you were younger, I understand that you misunderstood what was happening, but you weren't in danger. Now, here's another way to look at that. When you are having a panic attack, you are not in danger. It might feel like danger, uh-huh. but it's not real. So you you should not be afraid of a panic attack. And even though you've been having them for years, I don't think that part has fallen into you. You are still afraid of panic attacks. Sure. You shouldn't be. There's no danger. And you've had that experience enough to know this is something that happens and is going to pass. It's fine. But what? But that is, I mean, a lot of that is logical, and a panic attack when you're in that state isn't. It's got to be. You have to. I will, I'm going to agree. The first one is not going to be logical. Mm-hmm. I'll give you the first 12. But after a certain point, just like the thunderous, you know what I mean? Right. You're not afraid of thunder now, are you? No. And yet you probably were at one time, I'm going to guess. Oh, sure, yeah. But you had to bring logic into that situation. You had to finally say, I've heard enough about this. I've looked into it. I've studied it. What I hear is not the sky falling on me. You do have to bring logic in. Same way with your panic attack. I have all these feelings. They really feel big and important and scary, but they're not real and they're going to pass. And when that happens, when you get to that, you're going to have a moment of control. And that's the thing that you're still holding on is that everybody should take something that is not necessarily real and treat it like it's real, you know? Now, this mother could have done more, but the reality still was they're just on a carnival ride. Nothing's wrong. Oh, sure. Yeah. Yeah, I think all she had to do was sound soothing, not maniacal. Uh, Jamie in Boston. Because, you know, that the car before George had it spot on. I mean, the mother's bringing some levity to the situation. Just like when uh, your brother had you in an arm lock, your parents knew that your arm wasn't going to break. and But yet somehow you... you 
bring that rate to the, the worst-case scenario for everybody, including yourself. I mean, why, why does it have to be a bad thing? The kid's hanging there. Yeah, sure. It, the mother knows that it's all right. Let the, let the kid experience what it's like to have that feeling, but understand and have some trust in his parents that nothing bad's going to happen. You're disagreeing with all this. I disagree with it completely. I don't think she was laughing to soothe him. I, I don't think so. This is a bad mother. This is a bad mom. There's a terrorized kid. Then you know what? Let's just terrorize kids constantly. Let's constantly scare kids, whether they're on rides or we'll go in and bang trash can lids over their head when they're asleep at night because it builds fucking character. Why are you saying that when you know Dave's here? Yeah, because, uh, yeah I'm, I'm sorry. I shouldn't be giving him ideas. Well, actually, I was often scared by, if not my, my brothers, then my parents. My mom always would scare us and play practical jokes on us. She would. She one time said that I was going to get a pony, and then she called up and said April Fool's joke and everything. So she was always playing jokes and scaring and everything. And I, th I think that's why I find it so fun. Hmm. Being scared is fun. I, I, remember, movie, you uh, know, I had a brother who was seven years older, and I would always wrestle with him and you know get bounced off the fucking walls. I wasn't going to beat him. Sure. And I would sometimes tell my dad, but then five minutes later... I was uh, back wrestling with my brother again. And my dad's like, "This is why I don't get involved. Look at you, you fucking you. You you think it's fun? You think it's fun to get your ass beat? You know? And it is kind of when you're wrestling someone bigger mm. than you. You think maybe today's the day. <laughs> oh, it's not. Um, here is uh, Andy. Andy, you're on the Run of Fez show. It says you do not have a kid, but here's how it works. But I, a, I was a kid at one point, yeah, so I, I think I have that perspective. No, you don't, because as a parent, you don't fucking react crazy when your kid is going crazy. When, when did I ever say the mom should freak out? When did I say that, Andy? When? Listen, listen. You don't act like you would when you were a kid. You don't. You you may feel that way, but you can't act like that. And you, what is she going to do? Stop the fucking rod? She can't do that. Give me a fucking break. I never asked her to. I don't know where all these people are saying are thinking. I think the mom should have been as insane as the kid got. All right, let's face something though. Idiots. Let's. I know that you are replacing the fat kid with Fez Watley. And oh, you're you're putting yourself in and play and just play it for a while. Give us a little sound too. There goes Fatty. He's falling. He's screaming for help. All right, let's uh, stop it there. Now, Fuzzy, mm -hmm. that's difficult for you to watch because you think of yourself in his position. Oh, yeah. And you're freaking out. Yep. Yeah. I mean, I mean, it gives me a hearing his panic gives me a little bit of panic anyway. And I know that you're feeling that right now, right? Right. Yes. All right. So let's take it back to where we were before. And I want to put you back in this picture, Fez. I don't want you to play act. But you're not the little kid now. Now you're the parent. What do you do? You're not doing anything. You're, fi you're fine. You're fine. You're buckled in. It'll be over soon. Just 
Count to 20 and it'll be over. And you'll be done. And we'll be safe. So what's the difference between those two? She's not doing any of that. Yours really didn't seem all that nurturing either. Would would that have calmed you down? No. In a panic? Well, because I would have felt like the parent was kind of going through the motions... Uh, just saying the same old things that the parents always say, you right. know, relax, calm down. That's what parents always say. On a roller coaster, which is such a high, intense moment, All you right. need just the laughter. You They're, don't think that kid would have lo- uh, would have needed or loved your parents? You're fine. To hear Count to okay. 20. Count to 20. You're fine. All right, take it back, and I'm going to play the, the part of Fez the adult of, uh, and uh, I'll do what Fez would be doing to this kid. We're gonna die, Fatty! We're gonna die! I never was late! We're dying! We're dying, fat boy! We're not gonna make it! We're dying, fat boy! Wasted! My skin of standing pop loose! That's how it would have went. That is not what I would have done to that fat kid. Um, hey, Jude, you're on the Run of Fez show. Hey, Jude. Yeah, sorry about that. Hey, Fez, you're really pissing me off here because you, you think you understand what you should do with your own child in this situation, and, and, and you don't. An earlier caller said that you don't know what happened before and after that video, whether or not the kid wanted to get on, whether or not he afterward acted like he enjoyed it. I have a three-year-old son, and just the other day, we were trying to put a freaking bike helmet on the kid, and you'd think we were stabbing him in the stomach. Yeah, I Those know. Those are unrealistic fears. Uh, and- yeah, it's really funny now that you said that. I remember what my parents went through once when they tried to get a turtleneck on me. <laughs> I acted like I was being choked to death. I still don't like anything around my neck to sure. this day. But um, my parents thought I was fucking nuts. It's a turtleneck. Oh, get that the fuck off! <laughs> I acted like they had put me in a goddamn uh, in a noose. Uh, Ray, Ray, you're on the Run of Fez show. Yeah, I think Fez's feelings could be justified if the parents had blindfolded the kid and walked him up there and made him get on, not knowing what he was getting into. But I guarantee that kid sat there and watched a hundred freaking people ride that thing and get off, and were just fine. Now, everyone can say that, that they know what happens before and after the video. If I try to put any speculation, I get screamed at by people who say I'm driving them nuts. But everyone else knows exactly what happened before and after. You think this kid was forced on the right? Um, I th- my personal opinion, just seeing how the kid freaked out, I have the feeling that he, there's been freakouts before, and but he, he wanted- shouldn't have been on the ride. But you think the kid wanted to get on the ride? Yeah, probably he did. Now, suppose you have this. You have this kid, and he's old enough. And he goes, I want to try the roller coaster. You're going to tell him today, even though he's had freaked outs before? No. You're a little freak out freak. You don't get on the ride like everybody else. I definitely would have um, let him fucking try it. I really would. Even though he had had panic attacks in the, in, in the past, uh-huh. I still would have said, let's go, dude. Let's fucking make this thing happen. Because you don't want him to be a kid who doesn't experience life because he's afraid. And we all have that to a certain extent. We all do, don't do do things that we probably should have because we've 
we give fear such a major fucking part of this. But I will, uh, you know, speculate this. This fucking kid is going to have problems in life. Oh, yeah, I think so. But I don't know if it has to do with this or just whatever, you know, whatever else is going on with him. But um, it it doesn't look good for, for this kid. No. No, this isn't gonna. This experience isn't gonna help him. The fact that it's everywhere on the internet isn't gonna help him. And well, being overweight it, doesn't help. Maybe, maybe it will. Some people have fun with that. Some people are. I don't care what I have to do. Uh, everybody knows who I am, and that's good. Or maybe he sees how he acted in the video and says, "Well, maybe I'll drop a couple pounds, or maybe I'll I'll man up and go on another roller coaster." And he gets over. Yeah, it. I mean, there's a lot to say that maybe the kid doesn't become a quitter. Because of this. You also can't force him into that. You know? Um, here is uh, Ronnie. Ronnie, great name. Hey, yeah. Hey, I, I usually disagree with Fez 90% of the time about him projecting his own insecurities and stuff. But uh, I can't imagine being a parent and hearing your child traumatized on your ride with you and not try and talk him down a little bit. That woman was getting off. On the trauma of the child. I, 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 I'll disagree with that, but watching it, I don't think she focused on the kid at all. No. I think she was just about herself. Hmm. Yeah. She just, I mean, she barely even looks at him. I mean, when she does look over and put her arm on his, on his arm, that, I mean, at that point, the ride is calming down already. And he, and you can hear it in his voice. He's already started to calm down. But she did get on a ride with a fat kid. I mean, you got to give her credit for that. <laughs> All right, let's move on here. Here's Chris in Arizona. Chris. Hey, um, so I got a little bit of an issue. Last night I was searching some Internet porn. I ended up finding a girl who is in my social circle on a casting couch, kind of, you know, fooled into having sex with a guy video. Part of me wants to tell my entire friend base so that they can watch this as well. And the other part of me wants to kind of use this information to end up getting to sleep with this girl as well. Because by the end of the time, I was extremely turned on by this girl that beforewards was never really um, that much for me. All right. Um, why don't you tell us? I'm going to put you on hold. Tell us where we can find this girl. We'll, we'll take a look at this. All right. All right. All right. Hold on the line. Hold on the line here. I want to do Scruff's job for you. Uh, we'll take a look at this. So here is the problem. His, uh... Oh, no. It's a moral conundrum. Conundrum. He knows something sexual about one of his friends. He wants to know from us whether it's an A-OK -okay for him to pass that news around so everybody else will know. Now, you got two sides of this. Number one, this is none of his business. Number two... She put her business out here. He happened to come across to it. There's no way you can look at this and not say the guy is in somewhat of a, a nosy little Nelly. And he's got a hot little piece of gossip. And should he share or not? Is he the big man? Or isn't he the big man? All right, we're going to look this uh, site up and take a look at this girl. He claims by the end of it, he found her to be somewhat uh, hot. 
Um, right, I'm going to go back on there. You, do we know what her name is? The guy's is, trying to remember. He can't remember what her name is. Uh, well, does he have the site up now? Hey, we're on the site. You He's don't remember what her name is? No, I'm pulling it up right now because she didn't use her real name. Why don't you just explain what she looks like to us, and Dave will find that picture. All right, she's uh, like a red. Wait, head. Dave has walked away. Oh, we, we have to hide if we put porn? We have to hide our windows? Yeah. All right. Um, you don't know which one she is? She's a redhead. The redhead. Green. All right, I don't see a redhead yet. Bottom of the page, I think. Do you, uh, what's her name? Um, Holly? Morgan. Uh, but on the show? No. On, yeah, on the website, it's Morgan. All right. Uh, let's see. Not find her on the front page. Second page, halfway down. All right, second page, halfway down. Morgan the Redhead. Oh, she's very hot. Dave is going like a house of fire here. Look how many of these girl next doors are. This is not professional porn. I talk about this all the time. And it's also not nude modeling. This is fucking hardcore sex. Here's Morgan. You think she's very hot? I think she's pretty damn hot. Okay. Let's take a look. Do you get a little piece of this? Do you get a little bit of the video? No, you just get the pictures. I ended up signing up because I needed to watch it, obviously. Oh, sure. So she's getting... Uh, she goes in, she talks to the guy. The guy's like, okay, well, you know, you want to get into this business. Um, here's what you have to do. At that point, she actually like stands up and says, well, I don't think I should have to, uh, you know, give you oral sex to get into this business because he's not going to pay her for this anyway. This was supposed to be like um, naked modeling or something like that. Right. And he, uh, he is a great salesman, does a great job of counteracting, you know, all of her objections. And before you know it, she's sucking his dick. And then after that, she, uh, he asked her to put a condom on him. I mean, it was like, and I know this person. Right. Like, I know her very well, actually. Uh-huh. Uh, she so, date uh, one of your friends? Um, no, she's just in our circle. Just in your circle. Uh, Fez, would you tell the other people? I wouldn't tell the other people. I would keep this as a little treasure to myself. Why a treasure? Um, just that you found it and you know about it. I mean, there's no need to... I mean, you've you've got what you want here. You're seeing her naked. You're well, seeing let, her have sex. What what else is it that you want by by, by talking, Chris? Well, I, I don't I, like it's something that I would l like to share with other people and or like you know, do I have any do I have any cause to talk to her about this? Be like, hey, do you even know that this is up there? Because like, there's a chance that she doesn't even know that this was posted because it wasn't supposed to be. You know, it wasn't something that you got paid for. I found it by accident in the Dude, first place. Dude, I'm telling you right now, this is a professional fucking shoot. They, she's playing the part that she doesn't know, but I every one of these Johnny, girls is doing the same I thing. I guarantee you not. I guarantee you not. Oh. I mean, that's what You're the drunk. website is. She's looking and smiling with a cock in her mouth. I understand. She's I'm telling you, you, need, you, if you, if you watch the video, you would understand. I guarantee you it's not a pull-off. This is the same fucking act another dozen websites do. Is where they we trick the girl, yeah, right? We persuade absolutely. her to sucking cock. I would totally think so until until I saw someone that I knew, and I know this person, and I I know from her reaction, I've I've been around her for a lot of time. She's probably gotten two three hundred dollars to do this. Uh, Hicks, do you tell her friends? Fuck yeah. <laughs> uh, Dave. 
Yeah, I would tell them uh, drunkenly one night, look at this, look what I found. Look what well, our little friend Morgan did. One, I think you're being naive, but two, I think you ought to keep the information to yourself. Right on. I think that's where the power lies. That's where the power lies. Yeah. If not, then everybody's got this. Well, and, apparently, uh, I'm sure a lot of people got it right now, so... Well, no, we haven't we haven't given out the name of the site, uh, but you you oh, do come oh, okay. off as naive. All right, good. All right, hold on. Here's somebody who wants to tell you something. Uh, here's Mike in PA. Mike, uh, talk to Chris. Hey, Chris. Uh, I'm a porn producer. Uh, and there's two things you're wrong about here. One, she absolutely knows she's being filmed and that it's being produced because of the the paperwork she's got to fill out and the laws we have to adhere to. But number two, as a porn producer, I'm telling you this. If you're going to put uh, any type of porn in front of somebody who's not actively looking for it, you're a dirtbag. I got it kind of great. Chris, you got two fucking... You, you, here, here's the two sides you're on. If you want to be the guy, right, whose fucking stupid buddies high-five him for 10 seconds, then be that fucking guy. Or do you want to be the guy who hangs out with this chick? Right. You know what I'm saying? No, absolutely. You're absolutely right. You know, and and that's I like you. I think you you brought up the the good point. The power lies in me knowing and not having. You know, I mean, that's like a smirk that I get to to have every time that I see this girl. So Why is it a smirk? Well, you come off as a guy who doesn't know how to deal with fucking women. Here's John. No. John in Texas. You're on Fuzz. Yeah, Ronnie B. This guy sounds like a complete creep. I mean, he sounds like one of those guys that are infatuated with a porn star and wants to start stalking them and thinking they're going to have a chance to have sex with them. Ain't going to happen. Fucking keep the shit to yourself. If you happen to... You got to keep it to yourself, dude. That I can do. I appreciate the uh, the information. Thanks for the help, boys. There's a lot of guys out there. I don't think they fucking get the whole man-woman thing at all. Well, I mean, if she wants to promote herself as, you know, a porn star, she'll do that. She'll get the word out there herself. You just get nothing out of it. That's the point. Yeah. You get nothing out of this. Um, but the friends would get something, and then they remember, hey, our buddy helped us. Uh, Nick wrote in, too, Fuzzy. He says, next time that you have a panic account, uh -huh. just count to 20. That way you know it's safe and you'll get out of it immediately. <laughs> uh, we'll take a break here. It is the Ron and Fez Show. Uh, coming up, talking baseball. It's the Ron and Fez Show. Where do you go when you want to buy name brand spatulas at a fraction of retail cost? Spatula City! Spatula City! And this weekend only, take advantage of our special liquidation sale. Buy nine spatulas, get the tenth one for just one penny. Ron Fez Show. On a Wednesday? Is that where we are today? We're on Wednesday, the 5th. Ron Bennington, Fez Watley, 866-RON-ZERO-FEZ, 866-RON-ZERO-FEZ. Uh, Dave, you say you got a little baseball news. 
And once again, it comes back to steroids. Yes, unfortunately, Hank Aaron wants the 2003 list of the baseball players, the 100 names who were on it, of which we already know Manny, Ortiz, and A-Rod. He wants the entire list, A. And B, he says, all these guys are cheaters. Let's reinstate State Pete Rose. So it's um, a double whammy from uh, the fucking legendary Hank Aaron. Guess whose name Hank Aaron wants to say on that list? Who? The man who passed him. <laughs> That's the only thing that Hank Aaron has any interest in. And I don't blame him. I don't blame him. The fact that every single guy in the major seems to be on this list, or we've known that they've had positive results somewhere down the line, except Bonds. And Bonds, you know, he's been he's, he's a perjurer. So, you know, Hank wants his record back. And but I he is an asterisk. Him. He is definitely an asterisk. And when does Bonds become eligible for the Hall? 2011. Even though this guy, uh, Barry Bonds, is the all-time home run king, I would be surprised if he gets through on the first uh, ballot. I would honestly be surprised. Well, I don't think it's going to happen now because the uh, because the writers don't want to vote. I mean, Mark McGuire had 20... 25% when you need 70%. And I, I, you can't make that much uh, of a... You know, you, you can't climb up all the way to 70 from 25. I think Mark McGuire's not going to be a Hall of Famer. I don't think Sosa's going to be in the Hall of Famer. No, it's, I don't. I agree. It's crazy that we have guys who are 600 home runs that won't be in there. Yeah, because they stop believing in the game. The sports writers stop believing in the game. There's no way around it. And they just haven't figured out. They, the sports writers need to sit down and figure out what we're going to do with the stats between 95 and uh, 2003. Just figure it out. Because but we already have uh, one uh, Hall of Fame that will let cheaters in. Which What's one that? was that? WWE. <laughs> they do not care. Because right. I've seen guys mm-hmm. win the belt. Right. By hitting somebody with the belt. I've also seen, well, they will purposely knock out a referee. Sure. And then, uh, or I've seen a lot of guys lose the belt, but the referee was knocked out. And then they they hit the other person mm-hmm. with a chair, wake up the referee. Right. Now, the referee goes from unconscious and to directly into counting. I'd like to point this out to the WWE. Like other sports... It's time for you to use the camera and be able to look back and see if a foreign object was thrown into the ring and perhaps you you missed it. But you need some kind of an instant replay in professional wrestling. It it has really ruined the sport. Mm-hmm. You think so? I don't know. I've never seen uh, referees in other sports get knocked out as much as right. they. I don't know if they'll ever go for it. It undermines the authority of the referee. I've seen a three count given by a manager before, and I don't know how that fucking holds up. How the hell does a manager get to do three, and then the, they ring the bell, and the match is over? Well, every sport, you know, baseball had Bob Costas, who was a traditionalist. Um, so the WWE, you know, Lord Alfred Hayes, I don't think he would go for the changes. It's been a long time since you've watched uh, You will bring Little up bet. the oldest names possible uh but dead yeah, ones it's um <laughs> here is uh tony tony our manifest uh hey guys uh pretty much you gotta i love baseball but uh 
there's no more records anymore. No. Pretty much Hank Aaron's the home run king. You can't, you know, fairly grade anybody anymore because of the steroids. So you got to well, give it up. If you like the game, you watch. Yeah. Uh, Most sports, this was the last pure sport where you could compare errors. Football, you cannot. You cannot compare Joe Namath with Dan Marino. Even that short a time, uh-huh. the game changes too yeah. much. And you certainly can't uh, compare Brett Favre to Sammy Baugh. No, I mean, that's way out. But you probably can't even compare Brett Favre to Joe Montana Yeah, in Lifetime because the, the rules change so much. Yeah, and the great thing about baseball was, you know, say since 1918, it was pretty much the same exact the game. The same exact thing. And, and that, the that rules was stayed the same. Yeah. The measurements stayed the same. And even before that, you know, Cap Anson was a great turn-of-the-century player who wrote on his um, tombstone, proud to be a 300-hitter. So this is a guy who was you know playing in the late 1800s, early 1900s, and he was still proud to be a 300 hitter. Right. You're still 300 hitter still means you're good. So that's a that's a fucking amazing thing about baseball. Right. But the power numbers don't mean anything. Let's admit that. And like I was saying before, Ricky Henderson had 130 bases and uh, stolen bases in A2. Guys don't even steal 60 or 70 these days. He, he had 130. So ba- the 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 power has hurt the game on a fundamental level. But nobody sits around and uh, compare, uh, complains that the New England Patriots uh, connected for 50 TD passes, right. and you can't compare that with slinging Sammy Ball. No one will say right. the game's ruined. People in football are ready to admit we changed the game, we changed the rules almost as, almost as much as uh, rollerball. Uh, Tony... You're on running fest. Guys, what I think they should do is they should uh, let these guys in the Hall of Fame, build a separate wing, and use all of their money. If Roger Clemens wants to donate $20 million and Barry Bonds $20 million, you can be in the Hall of Fame. And then you're, you're in the villain wing of the Hall of Fame. That's what I think. I don't think anybody wants to be in the villain wing. I really <laughs> don't. Mark and PA. <laughs> hey, guys. I, I don't think it's fair that we're, we're cutting these players off from the Hall of Fame. It's baseball's fault. We shouldn't be blaming them for doing something that wasn't even against the rules. I, I agree. And I, well, and I was agree. it against the law? Some of the stuff. I mean, depending on what kind of steroids you were taking. But yeah, I mean, if it was yeah. against the law, it was against the rules. Because sure. <laughs> a kid toucher should not get into the Hall of Fame either. It's not just numbers that get you into the Hall of Fame. True, but some of the supplements were not actually illegal in this country and now have become seen as like anadrolic steroids, like some of the pills that McGuire was taking. If that was true, was he telling everybody what he was taking? I remember in 98 or something, remember he left his bottle for all the uh, writers to see. And but then was immediately attacked. Uh, and then he was covering it up. Too, right, right, yeah. And then he and said, yeah, he, this is just a dietary supplement. And wouldn't talk in front of Congress later on. No, he's choked so much, so many times. All he should have said is, this is legal in, in America. It's legal in baseball. I'm taking you, it. You could not have been a bigger hero than that white redheaded man was at that <laughs> time. You know what I mean? I mean, yeah. he was... On par, I would say, with where Tiger Woods is, uh, the farting Tiger Woods, where gambling Michael Jordan is. And he is gone. I don't even know of anybody who has seen him since he panicked in front of Congress. I mean, he, in Congress, he acted like that fat kid on the roller coaster. (laughs) 
<laughs> he just flat out panicked. It didn't make um, sense. He was falling. His rebuttal simply didn't make sense. I'm not here to but, look in the past. Like, But, you know, maybe it's time for baseball to let go of its history and mm. just see the history is gone. That's it. You can't really compare boxers. You can't even compare movie stars of today with movie stars of the 1930s. You can't compare TV, the circus. Nothing can be fucking compared. Why is baseball the only thing that needs this constant look at history? It, all, it, it almost makes us British how fucking crazy we are about this sport. But that's the beauty of the game. That is why we love baseball. If you're a baseball fan, Apparently that's why not. you love it. Apparently that's why a small percentage of people love it. But the, 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 the uh, stands are filled now with people who don't seem to give a shit. They clap. Right. Uh, let's face it. These guys, when they come back, they're not ridiculed. It isn't, you know, say it ain't so, Joe. People are fine with it. You got caught. Keep it under. Do it on the side. If I'm watching a game and my team is going to lose, I would rather have the big blowout loss than I would the close loss at the end. If they're going to lose, I would rather it just be big, over the top, and get it over with and know that it's done. That way, to me, it seems like it's more of a fluke than... We've talked about this during football season. Uh Uh-huh. Uh, it's because you're not a fan of the game. You're a fan of winning. Uh, and an easy win, you like. Uh, the game itself, if you're a fan of baseball, the uh, the final score is only one part of it. It is a game of every fucking moment is a different game. The mm-hmm. pitcher and the batter are, uh, are playing one part of the game. The fucking fielder going after the ball, will he make it? That's one part of the game. But it's not just, it's not like a race mm-hmm. where, oh, it's over. Mm-hmm. You watch all aspects of the game. I mean, I've brought this up before, uh, being a Phillies fan. My team was normally out of it very, very early on in the season, the whole time I was growing up. But I would be able to fixate on maybe one player, a pitcher, a guy's batting average. Can we get him to the All-Star game? There would be something more. I think you look at things from just a, a straight football point of view. I, I guess so, because, I mean, if if a team takes it up to the end and still loses, I'm going to be much more um, disappointed thinking, you know what, my team can't get over the hump there. My team, you know, that there's something wrong with a specific player or the coach instead of this was just a really bad day. Yeah, but in football, you play 162 games. If you have the world's greatest fucking season, you know, uh-huh. you're still going to have 50 bad games, 50 games that you lose. So you can't hang on to it. You don't, you get over uh, baseball a lot fucking uh, quicker than you do in football. And even if you're talking postseason, I mean, when the Yankees lost in seven games to the Diamondbacks in 2001, it hurt. But at least there were good moments. But like when they lose in the first round of the playoffs the last few years, there's, there's, there's no good moments. Right. You can't point one thing and say, oh, this happened, that was a great moment. You know, but in 2001, it was so heartbreaking, but at least you had some home runs hit and all that. Uh, here is Jay. 
Jay and Indy, you're on Run Fez. Hey, guys. Isn't it kind of a fallacy to compare eras in baseball even before steroids? You had half the modern era where blacks weren't allowed to play. Well, what always kills me about that is, oh, look at this little Lisa Ling's uh, sister crying, going away when there's uh, President Clinton and Vice President Gore. This is what would like if we had kings in this country. <laughs> right, yeah. We'd be able to just live that way. Celebrating their fourth term. Uh, uh, Jay, you've got a great fucking point, and I bring this up all the time. Everyone brings up Jackie Robinson playing. I think the same experiment should have been take Pee Wee Reese and put him in the Negro League. How would have he have done? Would have he had the same fucking numbers? Would he have been able to... Uh, put up with uh, heckles that probably would have been a lot wittier for some reason and you know the Yankees used to lose uh, pickup games against the Negro Leagues mm. all the time maybe uh, the Kansas City Monarchs would have won the World Series if they would have been allowed you really can't look back at those numbers and say uh, the, a lot of those guys pitched and batted against the best because they didn't. Right. I mean, Satchel Page was arguably the greatest pitcher ever. I mean, he came into the major leagues in his late 40s and still was quite good when he pitched for the Indians. But obviously in his prime, he must have been just about the most ridiculous fucking pitcher. And he was pitching time. like four times a week. <laughs> right? You know what I, I mean? mean? Like they, He didn't know anything about ice in his arm. You know, yeah. pulling it off, he just went out and pitched. And the old story of him in an all-star game bringing the outfield in and and, and having the outfield yeah. sit on the infield and say, I'm going to strike, strike these guys out so I don't need the fielders. Yeah. Ridiculous. Um, here is uh, Mark in Tampa. Hey, guys. Love the show. Uh, hey, Ron, I'm with you. Uh, I'm a well, I went to the University of Florida, big Gator fan. But the seasons to me were a lot more interesting when they went seven and five and they beat a rival and every game would be close whether you won it or not. And now you only have maybe one close game a year, maybe two. And it was just funner when, when you got to follow up, like say Emmett Smith. They were only like seven and five the years he played, but it was great to follow that one guy. Sometimes that is uh, really enjoyable for a true sports fan. I'll say this, to this day, I think the funnest game of the year is Army versus Navy. It doesn't mean shit except for those two fucking schools. And you'll never watch any Ivy League football, but everybody checks on the Hale Yarver game. <laughs> everybody wants to know who won that game that right. year. You know? Yeah, I, am, I, am, I think sometimes it all gets the whole thing you'll see a lot of non-fans a lot of people who are just more want to wear the shit they don't really appreciate the game they just want to uh get one of those big fucking foam figures <laughs> well, and yeah, put I mean, it up in the air and if you go by championships and i'm a yankees fan but like 2003 was a lot more memorable of a year um, being the Red Sox in that great series. Now, they did not win the World Series. Right. They lost to the Florida Marlins in six. But that was a lot better year to me than, say, the 98 championship team that beat the fucking Padres. Mm -hmm. And it's like, well, what, what, what was better? The walk-off game seven home run, you know, in extra innings, or a four-game sweep of the Padres? You know, in terms of your team, Fuzzy, the... Uh -huh. uh, I thought when they started to turn was 
way more exciting than them even winning the Super Bowl. Uh, it, when it was like, here's a, a lousy team, and now all of a sudden they're going into the playoffs, mm-hmm. up another rung of the playoffs. A lot of times that'll be more exciting than when they finally get dominating and win the Super Bowl. But again, everybody sees it differently. There's, you know, there's no one way to, to be. I just think a lot of people follow football that aren't what I would truly call fans of the sport. They're fans of Sunday afternoons and all the excitement, but they're not necessarily a, a fan of the sport. To, for Dave to sit around and say, who cares about meetings? All these guys know what to do in football. <laughs> Goes to the show he doesn't know jack shit about the sport of football. I like the tweets. It's a very, very uh, complicated game. Well, I know. I watch And more complicated than it used to be. And that's why Dave doesn't know jack shit about football. Oh, I've noticed this uh, um, in advertisements for like circuses or you see like these festivals. I see, you see the ads like in the subway cars. I see clowns not wearing makeup, but they're still calling themselves clowns. Now, they're not wearing the clown makeup. Now they're doing, you know, they'll, be, they'll wear big pants. They'll do some tricks for the kids. But I don't think you can call yourself a clown if you're not putting on the war paint. I think maybe you're war a paint. I think maybe you're a juggler. Maybe you're a kid's magician or a, a, someone who does balloon animals. But I don't think you're a clown unless you got the paint on. Well, you say paint, but do you you want a red faced clown? You want a black faced clown, or is he got to be in white? I would say any sort of traditional clown makeup like that. What is I traditional? Said, the, the white with the big red, uh, the, the red nose, you know, the big red mouth. And then you'll be happy? Yeah. I, my own thing is I'm not a big, uh, uh, I'm not a big fan of clowns to begin with. I just have never laughed at one. But you think a lot of people are getting by saying they're clowns when they're not. Yeah. Where it's, uh, I don't know whether it's not to scare the children or something, but I mean, you're not really a clown. Just call yourself something else. I saw this ad for uh, this uh, poster with this Looney Tooney the Clown. This guy's got no makeup on at all. Let me see him, Dave. Looney Tooney? I think it's Looney Tooney. I think it's all O's. Okay. And no E's. And the Looney or Tooney. Got it. And just no makeup. I mean, a clown outfit, I guess. But no, you know, no, um... No makeup. And or or they'll do this too. Really minimal makeup. Almost like they make their you know, they'll make their eyebrows bigger, something like that, but not real clown makeup. That's him first, Looney Tooney the clown said. Yeah, that's Looney Tooney the clown. Well what makes somebody a clown? Um, I think it's I think it's the traditional thing of having the makeup on and but that mean, doing, they- the, doing the silly stuff. But do they say that? I mean, do they say, here's what you got to do to be a clown? I have, or can anyone just call themselves a clown? I guess they apparently can. I don't know what any sort of clown code is. I would look or, into that before or a I clown association. raising hell. By the way, I walk home every day. There's a little kid in Central Park. He's got a bucket out front and he juggles. Little Asian kid, he's got to be six, seven years old. Every day I'm watching this kid get better. He's actually <laughs> now tremendous. It started out, he was okay, and he was just a little kid. I guarantee you this kid's making 150 bucks a day. 
I've sat and watched him smoking a cigar, and I'm putting together numbers that's coming in. <laughs> I guarantee he's making anywhere. Bad day, 80. Good day, 150. That's awesome. And he's just a little kid. And he's just out there juggling his ass off. Doesn't fucking call the people in. He's just so cute. They like him. <laughs> um, here is uh, Eric. Eric, you're on the Run Fez show. Hey, the first guy who really made that clown without makeup thing happen was a guy named Bill Irwin. Oh, he's tremendous. Yeah, he's the third guy in the Don't Worry, Be Happy video, and mm -hmm. he uh, spent years on Sesame Street. Right? Yeah. I, I will tell you who Bill Irwin is, and you'll know him. You know uh, the Steve Martin movie where he plays the gangster? Uh, uh, yeah. My, my Blue Heaven. Yeah. My yeah. Blue Heaven. Bill Irwin is the guy who does the funny dance. When they do that uh, merengue, yeah. and he's just—he's like a backup guy, but uh -huh. just—and his fucking body is unbelievable. His body control, his total okay. rubber. Okay, I, I see what he's—I I know this guy. Mm. I saw a special on him on PBS where, yeah, he walks into just like this little case, and like it seems like he's going down the stairs, but I mean, it's not like the old couch trick, right? Like it looks like he's walking downstairs. Get me that fucking thing of of Bill Irwin. Because I find him to be very interesting. He also does like a lot of, uh, I think he just recently did a play like, uh, he did like Waiting for Godot or something. But he's he's not just strictly a clown. He was in the Popeye movie too. Yeah, he was. What, back in 1980? Yeah, that, like the Robin Williams Popeye movie? Yeah. Yep. That's a long time he ago. He got slapped around by, uh, I think Brutus, by uh, Brutus. you know, twisted him and his whole body like turned into a corkscrew. Yeah, the guy's pretty amazing. So you telling Bill Irwin he's not a clown fest? I'm telling Bill Irwin he's a contortionist. <laughs> I don't know. So you've got to have the white paint. Yeah, I. So you you think a mime is a clown? I think a mime is the type of clown. What about he's kiss? a silent clown? Are kiss clowns? Yeah, they're clowns. All right. Seriously? Uh, no. I mean, it's. Uh, I think it's a different kind of paint. I think it's a different kind of makeup. I mean, how about like the Ultimate Warrior? Would he be a clown? Clown. No, he's a wrestler. But if you look at Bill Irwin, he's doing all the clown stuff. But he's not wasting our time with crazy paint. I just don't you associate clowns with physical comedy rather than like, unfunny makeup? physical <laughs> unfunny comedy is most clowns. <laughs> that was funny. See, I don't laugh at a lot of falling down, and I'm always amazed of how much we used to laugh at that in this country. Like in 1925, people would lose it. They would be holding their stomach <laughs> right. if someone fell down. What's the fucking big deal? Um, here is uh, Glenn, Glenn in uh, South Carolina. How about Max Patkin, the clown fest for baseball? Baseball, yeah. Is he a clown? No yeah. makeup. No, he always sold, sold himself as a clown, Fezzy, for many, many years. I mean, you, uh, you used to act like you're just coming up with this, uh -huh. but these guys are around 35 years ago. You act like it just it changed this weekend. Well, it seems like I've been noticing it more. More and more uh, so-called clowns going makeupless. That guy on Capturing the Freedmans, David Friedman, was uh, a, a, one of the more successful New York clowns. And he, really? just, he just wore gigantic glasses. That's, That's how the documentary started. Was they were do just Would you say a documentary or a rockumentary? I'd say doc. There was very little to rock about in that film. But it started with the camera crews just wanting to film what the clown is like, and then they're like, holy shit, all this background shit happened. But yeah, I mean, he, he doesn't wear makeup at all. I don't think he's a clown. 
Uh, Jeff in Charlotte. Yes, this is absolutely 100% correct. You cannot be a clown unless you're in the traditional garb, you have your traditional white face, because next thing you know, we're going to have people who are saying they're in marriages, but you're not going to have the traditional man or woman, and that's not a marriage, so come on. See what he's doing there, Fez? Oh, yeah. Yep. Yeah, he's, uh, yeah, he's trying really hard. Well, his point is this. I'm going to help you there. There's Max, and he's been around for 50, 60 years. And even was never, in Bull Durham, yeah. Yeah, never wore makeup. Yeah, I wouldn't consider him a clown. I would consider him maybe a physical comic. He was a clown prince of baseball, though. He's living like that. I think he's been mislabeled. Uh, Jimmy in Atlanta. Hey, guys. Uh, Fez, what about Insane Clown Posse? They got makeup like Kiss. And they're clowns, Are they clowns? Right? Um, I don't think they're clowns. I think they have the makeup, but they're not doing the tricks. I think you ha- it really has to have a combo. Scott, you're on the Run of Fez show. Hey, I was wondering what you guys' take was on mimes. I mean, they're not really clowns, but, man, they are creepy as hell. I would put them as close to clown as you can get. Um, they just seem sad. They're not speaking clowns. I don't mean sad, like, uh, you know, but just, like, they seem very depressed, mimes. Like, they're a clown who's dep- who's on depression. Sadder. Sadder. Uh, yeah, sadder. Pantomimes. Uh, Keith, you're on Fez. Hey, guys. Uh, <laughs> Fezzy, there's a, a whole school of clowning called August Clowns uh, that's all about skin tone, no white face. And uh, I actually also do clown parties in the New York metro area. And the reason that a lot of clowns don't do the white face anymore is because most kids are petrified of white face clowns. And, and they're not funny to kids. It's better to have a kid look up at somebody and go, well, here's a funny man who can, you know, juggle and tie balloons not someone who's going to come and eat me in the middle of the night. <laughs> I mean, Fezzi, you're talking about kids having panic attacks. Right. That's a great way of taking care of the kid. Oh, here's a funny man who's making balloons for everyone, but don't worry, he's not going to come and kill you. <laughs> I agree with not scaring the kids, but don't call yourself a clown. Call yourself a juggler. We're having a juggler over. We're having a kid's magician over. But he's acting like a clown just without he's the makeup. He's doing a clown act. Like, he's not just, just he's, he's falling on the ground and there's a whoopee cushion. Uh, we're going to take a break here. When we get back, uh, uh, Fez is going to tell us about a lump that he found on one of his balls. It's a Ron Fez show. This crowd has gone deadly silent. Cinderella story out of nowhere. A former greenskeeper now about to become the master's champion. It looks like I'm a rat. It's in the hole. It's in the hole. It's in the hole. It's in the hole. One of our all-time great films, Caddyshack. This uh, weekend, new film coming out, G.I. Joe. Gee, I loved it. Uh, But we won't know until Friday, Fez, because the film studio has told the movie critics, you will not see G.I. Joe. What a stink alert this is. You might as well just, you know, bash your own movie. You might as well just come out and say, our film stinks, and everyone's going to know it. Been a bad summer, but, um, you know, let's face it. 
The critics hated Transformers. Didn't hurt it a bit. Mm-hmm. What are the G.I. Joe people afraid of? That is going to say, imagine giving a camera to a five-year-old kid who's playing with his G.I. Joes. <laughs> uh, Davey Mac, I know you and Franklin talked about being excited about this sometime back yeah. when they announced the G.I. Joe. And I remember going, this looks ridiculous. <laughs> Franklin's like, I can't wait. Well, G.I. Joe was so big. I mean, I had a million G.I. Joes, and I love the cartoon. I just haven't seen one thing where, where's Cobra Commander? Like, he is the cool, one of the cooler villains in the history of little children pop culture. Well, we're not going to know anything about what they're doing until your friends say. Right. They're afraid that the critics will say, and I think this is not an R-rated film, right? So No. If you're there like, this is going to be kick-ass violence, you're not going to get that either. They've right. already done this team with team, uh, this uh, movie with Team America World Police. Well, at least that was a fucking R-rated film. <laughs> and I thought, pretty goddamn funny, yeah. pretty witty. That one made sense to me. This one, when you're afraid to say, yeah. well, we do want this for that something that you can take... You're four-year-old, too. I mean, the thing that's strange to me is that you can always find that one critic, you know, and you just put it in mega, mega small print, and you just, you know, you have him say four different sentences in your commercial. I don't, you know, I, it seems like they can always find someone. Well, they're doing that with, like, Harry Knowles from Anna Cool and some of the blog people. They're just not letting the legitimate press have their hands on it. Right. Someone that hasn't been bought off. <laughs> Someone who isn't going to get a G.I. Joe head <laughs> and feel like, I'll give you whatever. Well, I kind of want to see it. You know, and I want to... Will you at least wait and hear what people have to say? <laughs> yeah, You're not yeah. going to be showing up on Friday. <laughs> no, I won't I mean, if that. you hear Monday, this thing blew, will you still want to see it? If they do a good job with Cobra Commander. That's the swing for me because I actually really loved him. I was him for Halloween like three, you know, three years in a row. The last three. 17, 18, 19. <laughs> and he, he had two different looks. He had the KKK look where he just had a blue sheet over his head. Right. I'm like, how do people not realize that this is a KKK uniform? And then the other look was cool, just a faceless shield, like a mask with no face in front of his face. So he was always awesome. Uh, John and Albany. Hey, hey, Ronnie. Hey, Dave, Cobra also had one more look, and he's in the movie, but he's the character he was before he was named Cobra Commander. Have you seen the preview of the guy that's got, like, the little respirator thing over his mask? That's him. But this movie's about him becoming Cobra. That's why it's called The Rise of Cobra. But they shouldn't wait. I mean, if people don't like this movie, there won't be a second one. You know, like George Lucas, the biggest mistake he made was the first, if people don't like the first three movies, becoming Darth Vader. He has a great character. Release him in Star Wars, you know, the first uh, 1977 Star Wars as Darth Vader. Why would G.I. Joe not have Cobra Commander come out as fucking Cobra Commander, not just some shriveled, sickly guy who's going to become Cobra Commander? That's a bad bad job by them, then. I, I, I tell you the truth. Most of the time, even with the Superman and Spider-Man and Batman, I hate the arc, the build, the backstory. <laughs> uh -huh. Just get into like, it. Batman, stop back showing us that you're training and running. <laughs> just you're Batman. That's the one thing they did right about the Joker. He didn't fall in any vat. He, yeah. I'm the Joker. I'm scary as fuck. Let's do this thing. 
You know, and I will give cooler, them credit. Even cooler that he was always telling people different reasons for his scar. Yeah, right. stayed mysterious. That, and the, come on, everyone knows. You know, Freddy Krueger. We didn't have to figure out how right. did he become Freddy. He's just a bad guy. He just popped up out of nowhere with a claw, and so you. Yeah, have he's not him. real anyway. You don't have to explain him. It's a stupid fucking movie. <laughs> All right, so um, we did hear "Son of a Thousand Maniacs." Your uh, your point is this, Fezzi. They are so afraid this thing stinks even worse than a normal stink fest. Uh, how much money is it going to do over the weekend? This thing will bring in eighteen million dollars. Wow, that that will be a gigantic loss. There's still enough stuff out there that it'll only bring in eighteen million. X fifty-seven million dollars. Uh, Davey? I'll go uh, 78. It's going to be a big weekend for the G.I. Joe. He's crazy, Fez. He's insane. 78. And then we'll see how it does the recur the re- remaining weeks. Um, Fezzy. Yes. Let's do this. If it's not closest to you. Okay. If it's closest to this one on any of these other guys, you shave it down and restart? I will shave down what I have going so far for Battle of the Beards. And trust me, people, it's coming on strong. <laughs> Um, I will, I will a do a of, restart. I'm getting a lot of phone buzz about that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm lying. I wasn't getting any. Well, I mean, it's early stages. But, I mean, yeah. I will I will do another restart on the beard. Are you, is, is Leader also competing? I couldn't understand <laughs> that. He wouldn't pick up the challenge, Ronnie. He didn't have the nerve. Mm. And is this the last summer movie released, G.I. Joe? I still think Inglorious Bastards, you know, that that's a summer film. No, that could come out in the winter. That would have been okay to come out in the winter. District 9 is still to come out. Um, that film, I have high hopes for. I really do. And I think the reason why I'm not even going to include that as a summer film is I don't think they're going for a big end-of-the-world action mm. picture. I think that this film is going to be a little more psychological, uh, more about social issues, mm-hmm. and um, I don't know whether I would rank it as a summer film. I think it looks from the from the ads, and hopefully, a little smarter than what I would compare a summer film to, uh, which is normally just a stupid Batman sliding up and down something. <laughs> uh, here is uh, Blowhard. I think Blowhard wants to tell us that today. Is a lot. Things are a lot better than they used to be. Ah, that's for sure. Yeah, right. Uh, this version of GI Joe is totally pussified. GI Joe originally was based on the U.S. military, primarily fighting in World War II. You had the GI Joe space capsule. You had the GI Joe Frogman. You had the Nazi GI Joe, the Japanese one, the British, the French. Then they turned it into this whole Cobra you know, toy cartoon nonsense. The G.I. Joe of today is just totally pussified. It's just politically correct, because if you go back to the real G.I. Joe, he was a military fighting man who killed people. That's what it was all about. Not some cobra and some villain and shooting little toys and crap. That's why I'm just happy that you got this Inglorious Bastards coming out soon, because what we need is some more really violent authentic war movies not some cartoon like transformers and these other crappy movies i don't even call them movies they're infomercials to buy more merchandise and crap 
Well, I think that G.I. Joe is actually more ahead of its time than you realize. G.I. Joe of the 80s that has now become uh, made into a film is more about a global terroristic organization synonymous, you could say Cobra is synonymous with Al-Qaeda. So actually G.I. Joe is quite ahead of its time. But they made it into a cartoon for five-year-olds. G.I. Joe historically was based on the U.S. military. They're still Americans' uh, heroes. G.I. Joe, the real American hero. It's fictional. It's fictional. There was some historical uh, history. There was a real G.I. Joe. (laughs) I I don't know when, what era you're referring to. I mean, I I know that the action figures were a lot larger. But but I didn't even realize that there was a cartoon, or or I didn't even realize that there was a story with those old action figures. It was based on World War II for the most part, and you had soldiers from different militaries represented. And then, you know, the the PC police came out and said, you can't have a Japanese G.I. Joe. You can't have a Nazi G.I. Joe. So they just started these idiotic cartoons, just took the whole G.I. Joe idea, wiped it out, and started with this whole Cobra and this whole idiotic five-year-old merchandising campaign, when in fact there was even a great G.I. Joe space capsule based on Alan Shepard, and you even got a record with the G.I. Joe. That was an actual recording. How come you never bring that up, Dave? Alan Shepard's thing's the hit. I didn't want one. The the, the G.I. Joe action figures and and vehicles of the 80s were fantastic, and they were a lot more imaginative than just, you know, sewing some cloth on a 12-inch piece of rubber. You had these guys who could move. It was real war. It wasn't like these little plastic dots that you shoot around and say, hey, let's go watch G.I. Joe have our milk and cookies. It was authentic. The weaponry was realistic. This was a war. This was a war against Cobra. So when did it... What does Cobra mean? What does that even mean? It's it's fictional. It's a cartoon. When did this peak? G.I. Joe died as soon as they started the Kung Fu grip. It went downhill from there. Okay, I see. So Kung Fu... Kung Fu grip. That's when it went downhill because they needed a gimmick. It was perfect the way it was in the 60s when you can just get any type of military. You get the U.S. Marine. You had the Frogman. There's so many different types of G.I. Joes. And any G.I. Joe aficionado would tell you that they just pussified the whole franchise because they didn't want to make it politically incorrect. Too big. Well, what they said, his point is then G.I. Joe stopped being about kids pretending that they're killing and you start trying to shoot the gun out of somebody's hand, I think. They started getting rid of the whole war toys, as they would call it. And it was based on history. I had G.I. Joe planes that had bombs and nuclear weapons on them. Tanks that could but shoot campfire. They never had nukes. It was fiction. There was, was bombs on them. I mean, all right, I'll assume that they were A-bombs, but, but they were bombs. you could watch the cartoon. Like I said, World War II. Right, I used here, to have the, the, the British one. Some people had, want to jump in here, Blower. I'm all right. Rich, you're on with Blowhard and Eastside Dave. They're discussing when when G.I. Joe peaked. I got to go with Dave here. Dave is speaking to a different generation. I went so far to get the Cobra, if he remembers the Snake Eyes and Storm Shadow, the Ninja Tattoo on my forearm. Blowhard, what do you say to that? How old are you old you want to talk about warfare i'd rather be accurate and have a nazi gi joe or the french one or the british one as opposed to cobra but it was 1984 blowhard but blowhard it was 1984 a 10 year old's not going to necessarily care about nazis so that thus they came out with a new uh, mass it, it was a better product enemy 
It was better, more equipment. It was more realistic. Um, and you could basically look at it and you could learn about the military as opposed to shooting missiles at Cobra, the, the mysterious Cobra, and then go watch your stupid cartoon. Uh, here's Matt in Arizona. Matt. Hey, I got to say, Ronnie, uh, the, the trailer that they just, or the commercial they just upgraded on the, uh, this weekend has Kid Rock's American Badass, a song from 10 years ago to promote it. I mean, that shows how much, uh, this thing's going to tank if they're not putting that much effort into a new song, at least. It's a bomb. If they're not going to show previews, what does that say? This movie's a bomb. Hit in the summer. I it's wondered if you really think it's going to be the hit in the summer. <laughs> no, I don't think it's going to be, but I do think it's going to be big business because I think that G.I. Joe, an American hero, Cobra, great, fantastic. Like I say, it's a lot more relevant to our times than fighting against Nazis. I so hear teaching is, somebody uh, history is a bad thing as opposed to some, some, some marketing campaign because you can't offend anybody because, God forbid, you have somebody from the Axis of Evil from 1945. Yeah, I, I normally, you know, I, I always think that uh, blowhards, you know, blows things out of proportion. In this case, I understand exactly what he's talking about. You have some way to t treat ki teach kids about warfare and about responsibility and you throw that out the window and you say oh we're going to be fighting cobra which doesn't exist why not say well, we're going to be fighting al-qaeda i mean they they also had to fight zartan and destro let's not forget about those uh here is uh julius go ahead hey ron uh blue has got it all wrong cobra started off as as an analogy to nazism and fascism the original storyline was created by a guy named larry hammer it was uh, about the uh, veterans fighting the Vietnam War. They came back, and Cobra Commander was a car salesman whose brother died in a car wreck, who, who was also a veteran. And he blames the U.S. for, like... All right, let me jump in and get other people. Radio Shark, which, what, what's your opinion? Did anybody have Captain Action, the chief imposter of G.I. Joe? <laughs> I did. I did, too. Uh, here is Josh in Wisconsin. Yeah, the, the old G.I. Joe is for... Guys who wanted to play with Barbies and their dad bought them the most new ones. My dad uh, wouldn't let me play with it for that exact reason. <laughs> and he called what, it a doll baby. And, the, and they were. They were dolls, whereas the other ones were action figures. Oh, uh, yeah, but that's the Nazi also one a doll. had a Luger. He had German hand grenade. He had the, they had the uniform, the French one. Same difference, same weaponry. It uh, was Mike, historically accurate. Mike in Georgia. Hey, the, the cartoon had... For God's sake. Was that... So the cartoon had a gay pirate in it, for God's sake. Speaking of which, Fez, you got anything you need to plug for tomorrow? I uh, just want to remind people we'll have a special guest tomorrow. Uh, <laughs> but we're not reminding you who it is? No. Well, we um, never mentioned it, I don't think. No, we haven't, because who knows? Uh, Blower, quick question for you. Yes, sir. August 5th, 1962. Who, who passed away? August 5th, 1962? Yes. That had to be Douglas MacArthur. Greatest sex symbol of all time. Richard Bardot. No, she's alive. Marilyn Monroe. Marilyn, Marilyn Monroe, Monroe passed away today. Took me a while on that one. Guys, have a good day. You take hey, care, my friend. School G.I. Joe. Learn something. All right. That is it for us. We're back in here tomorrow. Peace. Uh, that's the end of my show. Donk.
alive.